I'm Mark Groves, and this is the Holistic OBGYN podcast. I'm Valerie Jacobson, and this is the Holistic OBGYN podcast. And this is the Holistic OBGYN podcast. I'm Marin Green, and this is the Holistic OBGYN podcast. I'm Angie and this is the Holistic OBGYN podcast. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. And this is the holistic I'm Ben Joseph Stewart, and this podcast. is the holistic OBGYN I'm Ross podcast. Newkirk, and this is the holistic OBGYN I'm Sarah Gustafson, and this is the holistic OBGYN I'm podcast. I'm Dr. Aaron Ujwin McMara, and this is the holistic OBGYN podcast. Welcome back, fam. It is the new year. It is 2022. And that means there is a lot of possibility ahead. And I'm not exactly sure why we need to just celebrate that, you know, on the new year. But it, there is something palpable in the air. You know, it's the reason everybody goes to the, starts going to the gym again January 1st. And hopefully they stick with their resolution to get back in shape or whatever it is. Um, but energetically, something does change, right? We're no longer 2021. We're, we can now call this a a clean slate and I think we need a clean slate I think our society is is due for a reboot I uh, in so many ways I kind of wish like all of the stuff from 2020 and 2021 would just go away but it's also a part of perhaps an important process of change that a much needed change that we're ushering in here with 2022 and what we do with it is entirely up to, uh, to us. 2022, the, the, the world is our oyster in 2022. And I can't be more grateful to have a partner in my life who um, kind of calls me on my shit and keeps me thinking very, very deeply about how I am reflecting into my circles, into the world, how I'm showing up and participating. Um... And, you know, these past couple weeks we've been in Pittsburgh and I, you know, we're just preparing now to go home this coming week and back to Louisville, Kentucky. And, um, we've had some really hard conversations. There's been some real challenges personally, and not just with my wife, but with my kids, with my mom, with my mother's husband and, um, you know, with my sister, with my brother-in-law, I mean, with everybody, it's just... It's been a really a very, very deeply reflective time for me. And um, we, I think tomorrow is the new moon, which is another sort of metaphor for like a clean slate. Let's, let's see if we can do things a little bit differently. And I think one of the biggest things that I have um, sort of been reflecting on is that I have all work and no play. And I came back home. I'm in my childhood home right now, and there's a pinball machine in the basement. And... You know, I don't know why. Like, who doesn't like playing pinball? I used to love playing pinball. We have, like, one of the old-fashioned, like, real-deal pinball machines. It's called Joker's Wild, in case you're a pinball fanatic out there. And, and um, I don't know. I've been, I've been home, like, for five years now. You know, like, we, we, we were out in L.A., then we went to San Diego, now we're in Louisville. It's probably been ten years since I lived in Pittsburgh. And when I've come home over the past ten years... I don't think I turned that pinball machine on one damn time. One time. Like, why Why? Why not? <laughs> we also happen to have a full slate pool table. Like, the old school full pool table in our basement. And I haven't played any of those things. And it's just been because, I mean, simply put, 
I've been so determined to get the business going and to check the light items off the list and get the insurance policies and blah, 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 that you kind of forget like about living. And while my wife and I are certainly keep each other in check and we had years of crazy fun times for the past two years, you know, growing babies, birthing babies, raising babies, now raising a toddler, you just tend to lose track of, of the joys, the simple pleasures in life. And, you know, the uh, pinball machine aside, just taking yourself too seriously, right? Like, man, getting me getting hounded online because of views on everything from COVID to birth to spirituality to intimacy to sexuality to whatever, it's exhausting. Like, we just take ourselves too seriously. And yes, there's things that we all need to worry about. And yes, I'm not diminishing everybody's experience over the past years. At least I'm not trying to. It has been very hard for a lot of people. But at some point, do we all just need to kind of say, huh, like, when are we going to start loving one another and living again, you know, and not taking everything so seriously? And maybe I'll get bashed for that as well, but that's okay. That's that's your journey. This is my journey. I think 2022, I, I want to be, I want to play more. I want to be more playful. I want to give myself a little bit more grace, my wife a little more grace, my mom a little more grace, my kids a little more grace. I just get back to having fun. So we already have a whole bunch of trips <laughs> that we're talking about doing. My wife uh, and I booked a, uh, a hotel um, up in French Licks, Indiana. It's like an old Shining style hotel. And we're going to have um, some champagne and flowers and take the baby with us, the eight, eight week old. But we'll leave our toddler with my sister who's coming down to watch her and it, you know, why not do that? Like, why not? It is a little bit harder. It is also a little bit harder to go out to restaurants and do things with kids. But we, we owe it to ourselves to get back into that. And it's been two long years for everybody. Um, I can't say we've had it that rough because we've got little babies in the house. Like, who doesn't want to be around babies? But anyways, we're turning a corner here. 2022 is here. I hope everybody has been reflective on the opportunity that we all have every single day when we wake up to choose love and life over pain and division. And I just hope that that, I'm really, really, really um, hope that our communities, our neighbors, and, and, and everybody, you know, everybody in our lives, every community out there, that we can shine light again and, um, and choose love. Really, really choose, choose love. Whether you're a doctor, whether you're a patient, whether you're a mom, a dad, an elder, a child, let's choose love. Because we owe it to ourselves. We've we've had we've had it. We, we've we've given enough of ourselves to the pain story. Let's um let's start learning our way out of that pain cave and start loving again. All right, my guest, the first guest of the new year. I'm super super stoked. Um, my friend Erin Eugene McMorrow, Doctor Erin McMorrow, is uh, is on the show. She wrote a book called Grounded, which is really, if you can imagine this, a convergence of soil health and regenerative agriculture divinity and what i mean by that is the yin and yang the sacred feminine the divine feminine the divine masculine birth death rebirth etc so if we look at a compost pile there's a recycling of carbon if we look at a woman's menstrual cycles which of course is near and dear to me as a as an OBGYN, there's this cycling, right? I know that my moods and my hormone levels are changing with the moon. I diary it. I, I <laughs> am challenged by it every new moon or every uh, every uh, full moon. Um, tensions flare. 
my testosterone flares. I get kind of angry and, and, and uh, I don't know, eruptive. So there's these cycles that take over, right? And even in, during the year, of course, you know, you have your hibernation period, then you have your germination, and then you have your summer where all the, that's the redlining period. And then you have to play a little bit and get cozy again before going back into hibernation. So the seasons follow cycles. Of course, the cosmos follows cycles. And even in our days, we wake up in the morning, we need to get slowly moving before we hit it hard at work. And then maybe wind down with a little play. That's something I'm going to be focusing on based on what I had said earlier. Um, so these cycles, they exist everywhere. They're everywhere in our life. And Erin, Dr. McMorrow, does an amazing job in her book. It's only like 200 pages, but it is the, the pithiest, most incredibly well-crafted book that I've read probably over the past, I don't know, even how many years. Um, I wish I could say the best ever, but like I've read a lot of books. This one stuck with me, and it's go- it's going to sit in my top five books probably for a very long time. Of like these are must read books. The others, in case you're curious, are um, Ishmael by Daniel Quinn, Braiding Sweetgrass. I think Aaron's book is up there, um, and then there's a, there's a couple others that are maybe a little bit less relevant. Um, I think Charles Eisenstein's book, The More Beautiful World We Our, Our Hearts Know Is Possible, is up there. And I'll leave a fifth as a as an open, as a fill in the blank. But um, this is a critical book for our times because we've been saying for years, hey, we need to take care of the planet. Hey, we need to recycle. Hey, we need to lower CO2 emissions, blah, blah, blah. I think Aaron does a nice job of consolidating all of that. Yes, we we know these things. And what she does great is she provides the and here's why, right? It's not just that we need to preserve, like what the Sierra Club tells us, you need to preserve the national parks for the betterment of our grandkids. Like it's not just about making nature, keeping nature pretty for us to enjoy. We are a part of Mother Earth. We are we are not separate from, we are not in cahoots with, we are a part of the cosmos. We are one, Right? And the creative force of nature is love, and, and, and vibration is the language of the universe. And in the way that we vibrate, the way that we that we connect with one another, the way that we either find coherence or dissonance, um, we can either build or we can destroy. And right now, what we need is we need to vibrate with Mother Earth. We need to we need, we need to remember the language of Mother Nature, of Gaia herself. And that is our guidebook for, for how to move forward. And really, I know that this sounds woo-woo, but I am way out of the woo closet. Really, what it comes down to is that if we can't even get birthright, or if we can't even accept the cycles that I described, like let's take ovulation and menstruation, which by the way are two different, completely different things. They are tied into the monthly predictable bleeds that a healthy woman should have. Um, and I use the word should loosely, I get it. Um, but when we consider in medicine that all that we do is we say, oh, you have that, that inconvenient cycle thing you do every month. Take this pill and knock it out and don't even have to think about it. That in and of itself disconnects us from Gaia. And while, yes, many women may benefit from birth control pills, that's not the point I'm making here. The point I'm making is that what if we looked at these cycles? What if we looked at Mother Nature as a part of us, as an important um, reference point right? The, the signal, the, the beacon in the distance. What if we could get back to that and, 
and experience the rapture of, of, of connection again, right? Your, your yard is not, is not just there to be forced to grow annual flowers every year, right? Your yard is there. It's a part of earth. It's a, it's a physical manifestation of the power of nature, right? That there's little, little moss and little plants growing up between the cracks in your pavement, right? Mother nature's rooting for us. She wants us to succeed, but we've continued to, to kind of be at war with the outside. So much so that we consider a success, I'm using air quotes on my end, if we've got four walls and two, at least two floors, we've got three, three plus bedrooms, and we've got more, more shit than we can even, you know, remember, you know, that of course we can't take to the grave. Um, if that's the only sign of, of, uh, of success, so to speak, um, then I think we're going to continue on the, on the wrong path, right? So to re-embrace the connection that we have to the trees, to the insects, to the biome beneath our feet, within the soil, the microbes, the mycorrhizal fungi, um, to the trees themselves, to all of these insects, right? Instead of spraying our lawns, instead of bulldozing, um, you know, rainforest or old growth forest for the purpose of building more shit, what if we actually took a step back and we just remembered, oh, this is actually a part of our nature. Everything from our, our menstrual cycles to being out in the sunshine and to really connecting with people to foster our divine feminine and our divine masculine because you've got both. Just because you were born XY male doesn't mean you don't have feminine and masculine energy. So this book does this incredible job. Aaron's book does this incredible job of combining all these really, really challenging, these ineffable topics, right? A lot of people struggle to talk about these things because it just sounds like you're spinning off into the cosmos. Well, Aaron actually keeps you grounded. And that's a big part of her book, which is aptly named, appropriately named, Grounded. So um, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. We're going to be talking about a wide ranging topics and, um, and there's a lot of sexuality in this one. So if that's not your cup of tea, that's okay. There'll be future episodes for you. But I think that one important point I did want to emphasize before we get into the, into the interview is that Erin makes it very, very clear that, and, and she and I talked about this in, in various conversations that we've had since we've become friends. And a, a big th- message of hers is that we've, we are devoiding. So the, the maiden, right, in our society is the one that's closely associated with sexuality, right? The young, virgin, innocent woman who is just right for the taking, right? For her to become impregnated and for her to be cast away as the mother and then later further cast away as the crone. And these, these female archetypes, um, apart from the maiden, have been sort of... Um, amputated from their own sexuality and a big part of our health as as conscious beings as beings of light we're all vibrating right and and a big part of i think what ails us is that we have this disconnection with nature but also we have a disconnection from what we really need on an emotional and etheric national level and i think sexuality and intimacy if you look back into the old tantric texts ayurvedic texts etc the lack of balance of these of these energetic forces is really, really at play. And if we're devoid of sexuality, if sexuality continues to be so taboo, then we're not really able 
to express our divine feminine and divine masculine. And, and this is a challenging topic, I agree, I totally understand, and I don't even have the language to fully talk about it, but Aaron does. So, I want you guys to sit back, enjoy your morning Joe on your way to work or whatever else, and um, enjoy my conversation with Aaron McMorrow, Dr. Aaron McMorrow. And please don't mistake anything you hear on the show as medical advice. This is education. We are a 501c3, provides educational programming. I just want you to sit back and enjoy. This is not the news that you're going to take and say, look, doctor, you told me wrong. Like, don't worry about that. This is just information that everybody needs to hear. And I hope you'll share this episode. Um, very, very grateful to have you guys all here with me in 2022. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Aaron McMorrow. It's great Hello. to see you. Likewise. <laughs> it is the, the day that we are recording. We were just about to, to talk about this. And then I said, you know what, let's save it for the recording because it is the winter solstice today, if I recall. And we have a uh, big, big old full moon that's emerging. Mm -hmm. And um, I will share my the full moon, but you're sort of the expert in astrology, or at least the <laughs> more so than me. How are you feeling right now? How do you feel with this, that this time of the year, you know, where are you at? Oof. Yeah. Um, wow. It's a lot of things. I'm actually, I, I'm no expert in astrology, but I just kind of track it a little bit and I do the best I can, but I know that we also have Venus going into retrograde. So yes. um, we've got the great goddess going into her descent into the underworld. <laughs> <laughs> and she's also conjunct Pluto, who is the god of the underworld. So we're having this like um, incredible, like spelunking of um, our relationships and um death and underworld related themes as they connect to our relationships and like the unconscious. It's just a whole, it's a whole lot. Yeah. And then, um, the solstice, the full moon, it's, uh, I feel like in this moment, everything that's been going on for the last two years has just finally, it's cracking the surface now. And yeah. this underworld yeah. journey thing is just kind of inverting everything. So all of that, it's like turning over a log and all of the, you know, the creepy sure. crawlies and the things sure, are sure, Yeah. Or turning over right a compost now. pile. We're getting all those like that good smelly stuff right yeah. on top. That exactly. Mass of, of steam. It's <laughs> so perfectly timed for this podcast. Yeah. Couldn't yeah. be better. Yeah. I, I was working a little bit later last night than I, I normally do because we're, we're going to be going on a two week trip and I've blocked off my calendar and, um, just trying to like get all the boxes checked and you know, mm -hmm. it's right before the holidays. So there's all that stress as well. But I texted my wife as, as I was just finishing up and I said, honey, I'm going to need some love tonight. Like I am mm. just so sad. Yeah. And I don't know what it was. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I knew that there was things changing in the sky and we have a window in our house that from the, the downstairs, like on the landing, you can look through a window and you will see the moon every single night. And you can see it's so bright that it's like lit up the house by just mm. bouncing all of its its reflection down through the hallways. And you can just feel the energy change. And um, and I do think it's a little bit, of, you're right, it's appropriate given what the world's going through right now, that we're, we're facing this, um, this, this gradual shift. But then there's these moments in time where it just feels like a, instead of going a couple clicks, you like take a whole 10 clicks at a time. Yeah. And that's kind of where I feel like I am now. And um, it doesn't feel any, the only reason, the only way that I can feel okay is when I'm out in my yard, standing in the rain, 
yeah. and like drinking a warm beverage. It's like, mm-hmm. that's my happy place right now. So, um, so it definitely has, <laughs> you definitely gave me some more explanation. I'm going to go tell that to my wife and she's like, what the hell are you talking about? But she kind of <laughs> sends you some stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. She feels these <laughs> things sort of, I think, uh, I think she feels them sort of intrinsically like she just she's a very intuitive very grounded woman and mm. um she knows that when the full moon's coming especially the, the regardless of the you know which moon or which which constellations in retrograde etc she's um she knows that like when the full moon's coming she's like okay buckle up <laughs> yeah <laughs> so she's gonna need some work you know for the next couple of days um so um anyways Aaron, thank you thank you so much if anybody doesn't know you um, we're going to be, we're going to be talking a lot about your book grounded and in your book, you actually share a lot of mythology and a lot of, um, this sort of, uh, um, recoloring, repurposing kind of co-opting of mythology for what we would, I think you and I would both call the patriarchy, right? For the benefit mm-hmm. of keeping this ship afloat yeah. whenever most of us are now looking at this as like, maybe this ship needs to sink. Maybe we need to actually start changing these stories and remembering where these mythologies come from. Um, and since we're talking about it a little bit, um, you did dedicate a big chunk of your book to mythology. And um, yeah. and, and in some of our other conversations, we talked a little bit about how, how you know, the it's not a male versus female or man versus woman thing. It's really the, the sort of energetics of our culture are, are very much in a yang excess and very much, mm-hmm. um, um, very much value the, the masculine attributes, the classically masculine attributes. Um, so before we kind of get into this, because this is going to be coming up a lot, can you just talk a little bit about the divine masculine, the divine feminine, and what those mm-hmm. two, um, the yin and yang, what those two things actually mean to you and how we can, you know, set the stage maybe for the rest of our conversation? Sure. Thank you. Um, yes. Yeah, so the way that I learned about these energetics, um, first, of course, they're not, they're non-gendered. I mean, they play out uh, in, in like how our, like if we have a masculine or feminine bodied being in the world, that's, it's, that's a part of a conversation, but the energies themselves are um, just these polarities and we all have both and they play within ourselves and they play within each other. And so I learned the yin as basically like an oceanic energy. So it's, um, yeah, and it's, it's oceanic power. So it's not, I mean, I think I learned when I learned in school or something back, I don't know when, um, I guess the patriarchal version is the yin was like submissive, you know, um, passive, um, negative, yeah. <laughs> like all of yeah. these, um, which has, you know, some truth to it, but it's really, it's, it's really um, depth and receptivity. Um, and if you think of the ocean, you can think of like the depth of the ocean and the, um, you know, the darkness of the deep ocean. And then also like tight pools you know and also hurricanes and there's there are all of these qualities mm. um and nobody would argue that the ocean is not powerful right like the sure. ocean is infinitely sure. powerful and then the masculine energy is more like the like a mountain energy mm-hmm. and so it's like takes up space naturally um without pushing or being aggressive or doing anything it's just it's there and it holds this space and it's also the great protector and the great initiator um and all of these are in this um in this sense of like for the highest good you know so it's never it's not this like it's not the kind of more i don't know contorted or twisted version that's like dominant arrogance overbearing you know i think we've learned kind of the 
the unregulated version somehow. And so I think that's what we're working with is kind of resetting these and remembering um, how these two play. And then also then there's the dance between the two, which I'm sure we'll get into in this sort of like tantric conversation of yes. um, yeah, the eternal dance. So we'll get there. Well, it's, it's, it, everything you just described about the ocean couldn't mm -hmm. actually exist without a surrounding strong structure, right? Yeah, so exactly. The, the way that I, people really struggle with this because they, you're right. They think that they, that when you talk about masculine, you're talking about penis and balls. And then on the, mm -hmm. when you're talking about the divine feminine, you're talking about the womb, which mm -hmm. the womb is actually a perfect metaphor for what you just described, but that's not really what we're talking about here, guys. We're talking about a more energetic, um, like you said, a polarity. And each of us has masculine and feminine energy within us. It's just a matter of how do we foster those energies? And um, in the, in the sort of traditional Chinese model, the yin is the recipient and the yang is the amplifier or the, um, or the broadcaster, right? Mm -hmm. And if you look at even the yin-yang symbol, mm -hmm. when you're in yin excess, it can only become yang. And when you're in yang excess, it can only become yin. And you have this flow. You need both of them. They're, they're cooperative. It's the serpent constantly chasing its own tail, you know, mm -hmm. and, and there's this flow between yin and yang. But I think contemporarily in our in our society we've been in yang excess for a very long time mm -hmm. and that can only become yin right which mm -hmm. is when we sit down we slow down we we ground we receive as opposed to going out and conquering you know to bring in like the classic sort of archetypes right. and um and so that is really important i think in a conversation around sexuality and um and one of the one of the really important things that i wanted to chat with you about is you know, and I, I, I just, I'll do my best to describe this, but a lot of women, I, I think, um, have been sort of taught from a young age that, you know, if you're going to be valuable, valuable in our society, you need to be going out and getting it right. You're, mm -hmm. you're, you're going to go out, you're going to do the thing, you're going to conquer the lands, you're going to take over the company, whatever, but you're also simultaneously expected to receive a, a you know receive the signal from the universe that a new soul is emerging right and that mm. of course is a is a, a co-creative process between the masculine and feminine mm -hmm. which results in an embryo developing inside the womb which i said is the perfect metaphor for the yin the, the recipients the, the 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 space holder for the unfolding of this co-creative process mm -hmm. and um and so what I think ends up happening is w women fail to realize that this, um, I don't mean, and, and I do mean women, I guess, in, in this sense, but if we're only promoting yang, the, the masculine as the valuable contribution to society, then we fail to recognize that all over our biosphere, there is a balance between these two things. And and I think what it results in, in a very, very real way in our society is that, hey, to be a woman is weak, or it's to be not as strong as men or not as capable as men. And um, and even the way that we teach little girls about their genitalia you know, in health class and whatnot is that this is like, this is an afterthought. This is just something that's there. It's meant to make babies. But really, your your job is to be in the workplace, to be striving for more and more and more all the time. And hey, if you get pregnant and you create a baby, you're going to have to find a way to make that work into the bigger picture. 
but from reading your book, there was a there was a great deal about your sexual sort of liberation. And um, you come from an Irish Catholic family. I, I wanted to actually mention you called yourself a Chinese Irish Don Quixote, which I thought <laughs> <laughs> was like the most amazing uh, self descriptor I think I've ever read. Um, so maybe you can comment on that. But but um, in you know. It, most of us have been raised with a with Christian theology. Not not I'm not talking about the world at large, but most most people that are listening to this podcast were probably raised within a Christian lens of the world, and that is, hey, don't touch your genitals because some man in the clouds is going to be upset with you, and you're going to be scorned for all of eternity or, or whatever else. But as a woman, in order to become more in touch with not the yang but more of the yin there's actually a deep component of sexuality here. Like there's something sexy about the ocean, even just the way that it flows as opposed mm-hmm. to the mountain that is standing and holding holding strong and, and pushing back against the waves, you know? Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about this because I, one part of what I do on the on this podcast, but in my own practice is we have to get back in touch with with who we are and what we're doing here. And um, I don't think... I don't think anybody can do that without getting back in touch with their sexuality. So mm-hmm. you're a female, meaning, and I mean that in the literal sense, you were born with with a vagina, with a womb, etc. And instead of using the word vulva and vagina and perineum and all these medical terms, you actually, in your other interviews, you're kind of in, uh, encouraging the listener to embrace like what is the vagina? What is the vulva? Like the pussy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's people that are talking about this, and it's this kind of still kind of stigmatized language. But let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about your journey with sexual liberation and and how uh, I mean you drive you derive so much healing from this mm-hmm. process. And um, I know you've told your stories about orgies and everything else, but I want to get into that. I think that this mm-hmm. is an, a really really critical part if we're going to talk about compost and our connection with nature and everything else. Let's talk about pussy and orgies. I'll let you just kick it off there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great place to start. Let's roll. Uh, <laughs> there's so much in there. Um, okay, so the first thing that comes to mind is is the book um, "Pussy: A Reclamation" by Regina Thomas Hauer, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Mama Gina. Um, and it is this like takeover of the word. And I didn't encounter that book until I believe 2018. And at the same time, um, I was also learning about working with the menstrual cycle. So these things actually go together, which are, it's funny because they were separated out, I think, in in being raised as well, where it's like, this is where the menstrual cycle goes. Right. And it's really disgusting. And you have to get through it. And it's painful. And so you cover it up and you take ibuprofen Dirty, and just yeah, power yeah. through it. And it's mm-hmm. just you don't tell anybody. And if you do tell somebody, you know, there, if you tell a man, they'll be grossed out this whole thing. And then uh, I mean, there's a whole conversation about about that. Right. And, um, but it, it links in because yes, yeah, somehow, um, and I, I wasn't raised strict Catholic, like the Catholic line runs through my family, but my, I wasn't raised by my immediate parents, like in a religious, um, in any kind of strict religion, still the culture has, has made its way through. Yeah, and, that's right. um, there's this like inherent shame around uh, pussy or vagina or even the lower half of your body, you know? Yeah. Um, and this like inherent weakness, this inherent sort of like disgustingness, something. And so, I mean, even when I had my first period, it was like, I couldn't tell my mom, I didn't have the vocabulary for it. There was no culture around it. Whereas we know, you know, in many indigenous cultures, there's entire rituals around this transformation right. and right. this like 
rite of passage into womanhood or manhood or, you know, whatever, however we identify and, and move through this like liminal space of adolescence. Um, I think most American kids had a really painful adolescence, at least from my, certainly my experience and the conversations I've had, because yeah. um, there's so much shame there. You know, we go through this hormonal transformation and, um, and then immediately our family, it kicks their shame in if they haven't done their work, which most families haven't, frankly. And so, um, you know, the shame, the shame begins at a very young age and then goes in through, um, through adolescence. And then we're sort of like spit out into our, our sexual, you know, youth yeah. with no direction and then yeah. more shame on top of that. Right. So it's like, and as, as a woman, my experience was like, um, it was like, no, it was always no to sex. It's like, you will be um, pursued and you're probably in danger most of the time because we're actually, you know, sure. it's unspoken, but we're essentially living in a rape culture all the time. And so, you know, you get to college and you're covering your drink and people are getting roofied and date rape is normal and all of these things. So it's this constant like defense. So my yeah. experience, Experience right. of sexuality going through all of that was was defense and it was like I'm always being pursued and then dating it was like um it was always this assumption especially like in college for example it was like the men were trying to sleep with or the young men you know were trying to sleep with as many people as possible the women were trying to find a husband and like maintain their purity like the slut shaming was tremendous mm. so if you had sex and didn't have a boyfriend in college, you know, the slut shaming was just over the top. Mm. And I remember just grappling with this kind of, bl I was flying blind, you know, <laughs> like I, I wasn't reading about it. There were no coaches, you know, that I knew of, there was no guidance. I mean, and so it was like the, the entire culture, my entire family was like, it's pushing down on my sexuality and, and also then moving into professional life. Then there's the next layer where it's like, um, you know, I, it's like, there's no way to be, at least in my experience, it was like, there was no way to be this professional woman and also be a sexual creature. Like you, right. at some point you start right. like suppressing it even further because you become a robot, you know? And also I was on hormonal birth control for, I don't know, from when I was 17 until 34 or so, 33, something wow. like this. Wow, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until I went to Bali. It wasn't until I had that like spiritual breakdown yeah. in 2014 that I got off the pill. Um, and so, and when that happened, um, I'm going to zigzag all over a little bit, but Please. when that happened, I, <laughs> <we'll just laughs> roll. um, I, it's funny cause I had hippie friends and they were never on the pill and I thought they were nuts. Like I thought they, I, back then I was like, I mean, I just thought it was the dumbest thing you could imagine. It was like, you do not want to have an accidental pregnancy, you know, ruin your life and all of this stuff. And how could you not be on the pill? Because it's like totally safe and all this stuff. And when I got off of it, I realized um, I went straight from getting off the pill to going into this uh, deep energetic healing process and this yoga teacher training and craniosacral therapy and starting to work with the subtle body, like immediately one to the next. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in order to work with the subtle body, like we have to be able to sense, sense into our bodies. And so for the first time I went from this kind of numbness and I realized that being on hormonal birth control, basically it skipped me through my period pretty much. I just kind of went right past it. So I was living like a linear existence energetically for all yeah. of that time. I was yeah. basically doing everything I could to be like 
a boy or a man, you know, and energetically run my life. Yeah, that way. Excess, just red line yeah. at all times. Yeah. hundred percent zero cycle, like no going around in a cycle, <laughs> no relationship, <laughs> which is bananas to me now because my cycle now is the center of my life. Like it's the center of my magic and my power. Like I just yeah. went through a huge yeah cycle. Um, and I'm working with nature now, you know, I'm working with my own body and my body is, um, processing every 28 day cycle. And so everything I move through and all the energy that goes through in a 28 day cycle, I process. And I, I also feel like at this point, um, I'm, I'm processing on behalf of the collective sometimes, which I feel like this last one was, and I've talked to other um, women who work in this space and that happens, you know, if we have the space for it, we'll take on, um, things that are moving through the collective and pass it through our bodies and offer it back to the earth. Like that's how this actually it's, works. It's like your, your ocean or like a compost pile. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. absorbing whatever it is. And you just become a part of that flow. I mean, that is exactly. an energy that is the yin yeah. that we're talking about. I love that. Yeah. Go and, on. Um, <laughs> thank you. And so, yeah, so the, like the bleed, you know, it used to be the grossest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's the shedding and, um, it's this moment where we become, if we're in tune with it, we become deeply psychic is what the red tent, right? There's a sacred, yeah. it's incredible. It is the most sacred moment. And I guess next to birth, you know, it's this other, the other kind yeah. of out, outflow, but, um, but for all of those years until I was like 33 or so, I was completely disconnected from that process. So the fall and winter phases of the cycles is four cycles, just like, you know, the seasons, mm-hmm. um, you know, PMS is denigrated because it's like, we're pissed off, we're, you know, bitchy, we're whatever. And now I realize it's like, oh, it's because we're cut off from spirit um, by force. And of course we're pissed off and we're exhausted <laughs> because we're supposed to be like horizontal. We're supposed to be turning the volume down on, yeah. um, on our external work and we're supposed to be listening. And like, that's when we get our downloads. And so, right. um, if we don't have access to that, we we don't get the information we need for our next cycle. And we also bring it back to society. Like we stop in red tent and get these downloads so that we can share back because men can't do it, you know? Yeah. And so um, and so it's wild, like actually how short of a window I've actually been working with this in my linear time life. Um, so, and all of that is related to sexuality as well, because when, when all of that is shamed and the entire lower half of our body is shamed and, um, so talk about masturbation, you know, and it's like immense levels of shame. And then, um, basically the idea of sex has always been like bad or something that Mm -hmm. I've, you know, like that I, I can still feel it where it's like, I have to hide this. Uh, it's dangerous. I could be attacked if people pick up on it. I can't walk around the world with this energy. Um, I need to, um, and then, and then on the flip side, there's this over hyper sexual sexualization, which is sure. like, okay, for this tiny window in college, walk around in this kind of outfit, you know, so you can get a husband, but make sure that you like trick him, you know, so there's this thing where it's like, you can't have in, this. <laughs> all good you know and then and then there's this glowing moment of being pregnant which somehow everybody seems to to celebrate there's there's, there is something there but then the second you cross over into motherhood and then the whole birth thing it's like dear god worst thing ever is what we're taught so it's totally painful horrible fear of your life Mm -hmm. just just horrifically awful um pass through it get drugged out you know just get through it get the baby out and then you're in the mother archetype which has been completely obliterated in this culture so we've got we've got maiden 
that's about it. We don't we don't really have mother and we don't really have crone. You all know? have to be mating. You all have to be like <laughs> totally. little kids. Okay. Exactly. That's the only thing we know how to do. <laughs> how many like 70 year old women, 60 year old women do you know that are that are getting plastic surgery and, and right. no disrespect to that, whatever your choices are, but like just the, the concept that we're forever youthful is completely insane. It's also right. it's right. also ignoring the other phases of the cycles that are sacred and like the crone, I mean, that's also the bleed phase, you know, like that's some fucking powerful magic. Yeah. And that's why yeah. it's been hidden. You know, that's why it's been pushed down so we'll hard. Because of energy. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and the mother. So we'll get, I mean, I think this is why our friendship is so awesome because I'm like, oh, he gets it. Like it's just the mother archetype. It's like the mother is the great mother. So obviously we'll get into this, but um, also the soil. So I say this in every podcast, but just not everybody has heard this where it's like the metaphor. It's like you, you part the fertile soil, you know, plant the seed, cover the soil. And then under the soil, life gestates mm-hmm. and you can't mess with that seed when life is gestating. You don't go in there and try to hurry it up. You know, <laughs> you don't try to, you don't mess with it. And then eventually on its own life is born, you know, and then the thing grows up and then eventually dies. Compost goes back into the cycle, goes back into the soil. Um, and life is born again and we go around and around. So yeah. everything is a cycle, but that's the mother, that's the womb, you know? And every time I say, I say that now it like, dinner parties or (laughs) any conversation I have where somebody's asking me about my book and it blows their mind every single time because it's so obvious and it's so ridiculous. We are cut off from that simple concept. And so, you know, my book started out being about how we're harming the soil and we're basically, we're mining. We're like, it's, it's rape. Like we're taking aggressively from this this fertile soil this gift you know to all of life from which all Mm. life comes and all life returns Mm. um and we think we can mine it and that's exactly what we're doing with the womb and with women and so it's a it's the metaphor is always going to be in balance and so and so it's like that and so and then we ignore the soil we're like we don't know what you're talking about just spray it with a bunch of pesticides and like you know just uh kill the soil then we'll add some other synthetic stuff and we'll eat whatever comes out of that because that's a fine idea (laughs) you know it's like the hijacking of the of the soil is really a great metaphor for the hijacking of the female body. I mean, even in mm. our work as OBGYNs, what we say is you can't get pregnant. Oh, well, here, why don't we like give you these hormones for a couple of weeks, right? And then we're going to check to see if you ovulated. And then, bam, we're going to shoot some semen in there artificially with a, a turkey baster. Mm. And um, now, you know, I'm, I'm speaking crudely here. But when, when you, if you're listening and you're involved in women's health, just imagine what we're doing there. Instead of understanding the cycle and understanding what is, what is lacking that's, that's not allowing you to harmonize with your environment, we just add some external inputs and we force something to happen. It's, it's your seed metaphor. It's sort of like mm-hmm. going under the soil and nudging it and saying like, you got to germinate because we got to make plants this year, you know, and yeah. we got to eat this year. It doesn't, it doesn't work mm-hmm. like that, you know, which is why years and years and years and years now ago, it used to be a, a, a ritual to pray for the rain and to pray mm-hmm. for the plants and to to hope and, and pray to the gods of the harvest, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, we, we take that so literally in the way that people are like, God, please let me pass my test. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't that. It was pausing. It was holding space for the period of gestation in, a, in order to allow the harmony of the yin and yang and, and really the feminine energy of the soil to do its thing 
in the mm -hmm. seed is, you know, I just planted a, a whole bunch of seeds in my greenhouse um, yesterday. So the seeds for like high sop or tobacco, tobacco is a really great example. We'll talk about tobacco a little bit later, but their seeds are almost invisible. Like they are so tiny. So that one tiny little seed is going to grow into a very, very large plant. And, um, and that, that is really what we're failing to realize in how we are treating the process of, of um, fertility treatments, or we're treating the process of even just our endocrine systems. Like mm -hmm. it wants to work. You just have right. to hold space and let it work instead of trying to hijack and sort of co-opt the, the experience. Yeah. Sorry to derail you. I mean, I just, yeah, no, that's it. So many thoughts in my head. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. And that's, um, that's sexuality and that's fertility, right? So again, we've split off motherhood and we'll, we'll veer back here to like the actual conversation of motherhood itself and the split of sexuality and the sort of, um, pulling apart of the archetype so that we're confused at which parts go where and what is going on. Um, when it's all really simple, cyclical nature is incredibly yeah. straightforward <laughs> once you get the hang of it. But, um, but we've been cut off from it, you know, when we're cut off from our cycle, like how are we supposed to make sense of things as women you know it, it really it's violent in in this way this disconnect and then um i'm actually looking into i'm not even looking into it's found me and i found it but fertility a new wave of fertility movement of like um so i'm 41 i just turned um happy birthday to me and i have um more and more friends who are having healthy births at, at this age and i remember when i was younger it was like um 35 was a bright line and, um, and there's like severe risk of, of all of these, of, of all of these Terrible awful things. things. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, elderly and elderly. Yeah, oh yeah. And <laughs> like and big fear and big fear. So as a woman, let's say you're aiming your life and your career, um, which I was at that time, you know, going through academia or whatever, you're looking at, you're looking at your relationships, you're looking at what time, you know, like how, at what place um, are we deciding who, who this partner is going to be if we're going to have a baby and where is it going to land in our career? And what if our numbers are off by mm. like five to 10 years, you know, like imagine the amount of creativity, the like books that haven't been written, the businesses that haven't been started, the yeah. um, the mm. careers, just all of it, the all of it um, that is locked up in this constant. It was like I was twenty when people started asking me when I was going to have a kid. You know, it was like twenty. I'm forty. That's twenty. Like my entire adult life, my entire right. adult life, it's been like, are you going to have a kid? When are you going to have a kid? That and so it's and I was in college at that time, so it's like you're you're suppressing sexuality. So me, I'll speak for myself. I was suppressing my sexuality, um, afraid of all of it. You know, in this slut shaming rape culture, looking for a husband apparently. You know, trying to aim a career and trying to put all of these things together. Also, while being on hormonal birth control and being disconnected from my cycle. Mm -hmm. um, so probably picking wrong partners anyway, because I had yeah, no right, connection right. to that hormonal connection. So all, all of this put together. And then, um, and then I'm realizing the, the incredible doctors that are coming forward with this um, new fertility paradigm, it's all soil metaphors. I mean, it's literally like, um, there's, there's one woman, Dr. Cleopatra that I just listened to. Um, and she's talking about, I think it's the pre-mester or something like this. And it's like, um, four solid months, I believe, 120 days of just working with um, 
uh, the balance of, of your life and your hormones and your cycles and all of these different things, but also like the psychological part, the spiritual part, um, I believe she focuses on as the most important part. And, um, and so I, I, I believe I haven't gotten all the way into her stuff, but it's something like probably, uh, women who have been told that they can't, that they're too old or that they have something going on that hasn't been dealt to, um, actually have time to sit with the psycho, spiritual, emotional part of this and, and work with what they're eating and work with, um, just these really basic cycles and, and basically tend to their soil for four yeah. solid months. Yeah. And she's, they're having healthy pregnancies up to 47. It, and she, apparently she's wow. got this like incredibly, I, I don't know, it's very close to a hundred percent success rate, which is like, it's just the paradigm, you know, it's like, okay, okay. So what if we were tending to our cycles and our fertility and our sexuality too, this, this sacred sexuality conversation is coming into the fertility conversation because of course our relationship with sexuality, with our womb, with our partner, um, it, it's the fertility conversation. Of course, all of those pieces go together. So that's all something where it's like, um, the way we could be tending to this right about like right, how right. there once was like there were fertility gods and goddesses for a reason, you know, mm. and, and it wasn't just praying to the gods. It was like touching the earth, being right. with the earth, offering right. our menstrual blood back to the earth because mm. it's like the richest, you know, it comes through our body. It's gone through this incredible process. This magical process is like beyond what our minds can put yeah. together. And we're giving this energy back. Right. And we have then composted whatever hasn't served us, you know, it's come through our bodies it's come through our energetic systems and we found what there is to release and we release it back and it becomes, it becomes fertility. It comes back as a gift, yeah. like food back to us. Yeah. So yeah, all, all of that, it just, there's so many pieces that of course fit together, but, but it requires us to, to really drop back into these cycles um, on every level. So looking yeah. at how we're doing it in nature, how we're doing it with the soil, what are we bringing, what, are, what is being gifted back into our bodies in the form of food and water, clean water. It also cleans the water, healthy soil, right? So yeah, of just course. Get, course. getting us back and, and, and it's all connected. So yeah, I, th there's more and more, but let me, I, I'll pause there. I, yeah, let me uh, uh, share with you. There's, there's this, um, I have, I have a, Chinese, a traditional Chinese medicine doctor friend who mm -hmm. she's specifically interested in um, women's health and she from the Chinese medicine standpoint, you know, we obviously have a very, very different view in this allopathic model of the cycle. Like you said, it's, it's everything through the lens of sort of a Christian theology. It's this thing that happens. It's extremely inconvenient. Why not just go on a pill and not have to worry about it? I mean, that's really the conversation with your doctor. If you're 16 and your periods are heavy, like what 16 year old doesn't have heavy periods, like, or painful periods. It's not something you've ever experienced. So your relative pain threshold at that point is like, oh my God, every month I have to do this. And the doctor's like, hey, let's just make it easy. Let's do that mm -hmm. thing. But instead of, of us just popping, you know, these, these pills on people, pushing these pills on people and um, not really ever talking about sex or pleasuring yourself or understanding the cycle. And really to understand your cycle, you need to actually be not as distracted as we are today. You actually have to be out there with your feet in the soil and to really appreciate what's happening with your body. But if we were to start to consider what, like, how could we reimagine, you know, young women's um, medical or not really medical education, but their, their sort of understanding of their cycles. I think that the Chinese system offers a really, really nice model. And that is that as you're entering your, your period, like the first day of your bleeding, that's a time when you need to be moving qi and moving blood. 
You know, you're not out at the gym doing CrossFit. You're actually just moving energy. It's that sort of yin excess. And then as you move then into the follicular phase, which is where the uterus is building up its lining, that's when you're nourishing yourself. It's the spring, mm-hmm. right? And then ovulation is the, the sort of like, let's go out and kick some ass. That's the yang excess um, space. And then you move on to um, into the luteal phase, and that's when you're boosting your um you're 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 boosting chi. You're trying to to develop your a little bit more of that yang excess, and then you move back into winter, right? So we went through the four seasons of the year, which is interesting because I also think about this in the same way that I think about like the day. You wake up in the morning. You don't go right to work. You're not redlining it all day. You're taking your coffee. You're you're sitting and just contemplating. You're maybe journaling. You're doing your breath work, and then it's afternoon. Like that's when you're kicking some ass. That's the summer. And then before you go to bed, which is the winter, you're also playing. You're, you're, you're winding down. It's the normal cycles. Like all of these cycles are, they're ever present everywhere along the, along the way. And, um, one other thing I wanted to add is you were talking about, you know, the, the, um, sort of idols, the sex idols and whatnot, and these fertility idols. And, um, one thing I talked to about with a lot of my fertility patients, people who are, they're young, they're healthy, they should have no problem getting pregnant is that they become so hyper-focused on the act of having sex that it doesn't make for a very uh, hospitable place for this sacred process to unfold. So, so one part of this conversation is that so many people get so fed up with the process of trying to get pregnant that they go to a fertility specialist and just it's like the act of going to the consultation has taken the pressure off of them. Then they go home and have the best sex they've had for two years and bam, they get pregnant. Yeah. And then in my own personal experience um, with a lot of friends, like, like great sex is actually the, that's the co-creative process. It's not this mechanical thing that we're all taught it is. Like there is a true union and, and uh, of, of the masculine and feminine. And, and through that, that's how we actually lay the soil for the mm-hmm. embry- embryo to implant and then to grow into a baby. So that's how you prepare the soil. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's really confronting to the system, right? To tell somebody like, Hey, you need to do some art therapy. You guys need to dance a little bit together. Yeah. You know, you need to <laughs> sing again. Like when's the last time you sung right. and without getting too far off, cause I definitely want to get into, into some of the, uh, some of the orgy conversation. Cause I, <laughs> it's really <laughs> interesting stuff. Um, and, and you're, especially the confrontation that you experience with that. But, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, mm. what was I say, what was I going to say? Well, oh no, I was going to talk about the chakras real quick because I know that you're really, really into the chakra, the tantric um, sort of mm-hmm. practices. Well, in most of my work, we focus on the second chakra and I have mm-hmm. people do a chakra loading, sort of um, go through a full review of systems. And inevitably, women who come to me with pelvic health issues, they've got a second chakra issue. And as you've mentioned in your book and in your interviews, the second chakra corresponds with reproductive health. Yes, it also is the seat of creative expression and emotion. Mm-hmm. So how many people who aren't able to get pregnant aren't singing, dancing, journaling, sitting with their back against a tree and just feeling alive, you know, just yeah. that, that connecting, that holding space, that's all related to that second chakra. And then, of course, you couple that with the first chakra of mm-hmm. insecurity, of feeling unsafe, of, of not feeling worthy, of not feeling like you're going to have your bills paid, you know, like work, 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 work and forget, forget everything else because that's what we're taught is important is mm-hmm. accumulating the material wealth, buying the next car, doing all these things. And it does impact your well-being, and it is reflected in fertility. 
So the answer of the medical system is, like I said, you hijack it with hormones. My answer to that is perhaps that's something you consider down the road. But when did you last paint? Mm -hmm. <laughs> when yeah. was the last time you had really good sex? You just let it out. Mm. And most people are not doing that because that's a shameful thing to talk about. It's shameful to even ask your partner for something. Right. And so um, if anybody takes anything from this conversation, embracing sexuality is something mm. that we probably need to change. And we also need to start changing the archetypes and, and what we expect of a mother. A mother is still a sexual being. It's more sexual than any of the other archetypes in, in, in so many ways, apart from maybe the, the crone in some ways too. <laughs> um, but I digress. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, I know that, you know, if, if you if you guys read the book, you're going to find out Erin was presented with some interesting options in LA in groups of people that she knew. Mm -hmm. And you ultimately decided that you would go to an orgy. Mm -hmm. and it was very, very hard for you. So let's talk about the how confronting that was and then how liberating it was to actually kind of take that plunge. Yeah. Um, and remind me, if we could bookmark um, cock worship, <laughs> I feel like this is, it like popped in. Popped Say into no more. It's a theme. It's funny to just go into that now. Go into <laughs> Um, that was my okay. uh, that was my nickname in, in middle school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. That's a bad joke. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> well, it's no, it's um, it okay. like a bad high school band or something. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, well, it's funny because the last few places I've been traveling around, uh, there have been roosters everywhere, and so it's like this this sort of weird universal. Like I, I've been in in places that are not anywhere near each other. Somehow there's been um, an actual, at least one rooster or many roosters. And they are literally like cockadoodle doing at like four in the morning, like screaming. And I'm just like, all right, there's a, there's a cock theme in my life. <laughs> Something is going on. <laughs> okay. Universe. And it's like, um, and, and this actually, it goes all the way back to the beginning because, because the first stage of my journey was, um, like that book, Pussy of Reclamation, for example, where it's like, um, Yoni worship. Um, and actually there's this, this great coach and let me know if my, if my Wi-Fi pops out or anything. Um, there's this great coach, Layla Martin, who doesn't use the word Yoni. She uses the word pussy as well. She also like oh, knows yeah. mama Jeannie. And there's a, there's a, um, there's a movement around it because, because the word pussy is actually, it's more all encompassing and it's not this sort of like euphemism, you know, this sort of like separation, um, and so this idea of let's say yoni worship or pussy worship, like getting back into this um, into this place of of pussy being the most miraculous, most beautiful, you know, most incredible yeah. thing, yeah. the great goddess, you know, um, is is one phase because that's we're we're then moving through all of this weird uh, collegial rape culture crap, you know, and getting back to a place where. Um, where this entire thing is beautiful, you know, this entire yeah. thing is, is something to be um, celebrated for all of our lives. Like what a gift we've got these incredible bodies and we've got these, these, those energies and these things going on to play with and enjoy and create with. Um, and then of course the, I th it feels like the, the next phase in, in our linear timeline in this moment um, there's no way to have this much harm to the feminine or have this uh, feminine energy that's sort of dysregulated without it being e equal and opposite with the masculine. And yeah. so, yeah. and so what happens then? And then we've, you know, we've been through, it's been the Me Too movement started in the end of 2017. Um, and so there's been a lot of, uh, 
of energy around releasing trauma, right? This root and sacral trauma. So it's the shadow elements of fear, guilt, shame is basically the the level that most of our society is vibrating on. And we're feeling it now. This is basically yeah. where yeah. the like train wreck that we're in come Venus retrograde <laughs> end of 2021. Like this is where we are. This is, it's just all gotten like shaken up to the top. Um, Hey, brief interruption, uh, interruption here, guys. My conversation with, uh, with Aaron Eugwin McMorrow, Dr. McMorrow, will continue in a second. Wanted to take 60 seconds here to tell you quickly about waveblock.com. They make earbuds, uh, stickers, and cell phone stickers that will block most of the radiation coming off of your cellular devices. It's low dose, but if you're being exposed to radiation all damn day, in, especially right next to your brain, just think about the possible downstream consequences of that. All of my neurology set friends say, like, yeah, we don't have a lot of evidence on this yet. Um, this is kind of a new field. Like, EMF hasn't been a major problem until about 20 years ago. So um, my neurologist friends will be like, yeah, we don't have a lot of data, but, like, I don't want that powerful modem sitting next to my skull at all times during the day. And um, I would agree. So so go to waveblock.com. Check out Ben Salem's work there. Um, if you want to buy any of their products, you get 10% off by using code BELOVED at checkout. And um, I recommend you get a pair of earbud stickers and a cell phone sticker. Smack it on the back of there. If you use biogeometry, these devices are perfectly um, complementary to biogeometry pendants, etc. Um, so please go to waveblock.com. Support our uh, pod- the, the, the podcast sponsor, which actually is a way of supporting the show, in case you are wondering how to do that. So, um, yep, waveblock.com, beloved code. Uh, we'll get you 10% off. Let's get back to my conversation with Dr. McMorrow. As we were saying in the very beginning, we're like, we've, we've like turned that log over and all the creepy crawlies have come out. And this is the nature of the dark goddess. Like that's Mm. what she does. And underneath that is that's fertile life, you know, like it like freaks us out and all the like earthworms come out, but that's like, that's the richest soil there is. Right. Yeah. And so that's also where we are. Um, if we can remember the power of the dark goddess and the great creatrix and, and what this is all about. And so, um, and so the flip side, of course, of like Yoni or pushy p- pussy worship is uh, cock worship or lingam worship. And so, um, something we will loop back around to the orgy, <laughs> but no, most- you, you do your thing. Aaron. You are a <laughs> one woman show. I am, uh, uh, mine spinning. Please continue. <laughs> well, I mean, this is okay. So this is interesting because, um, back then, back in 2018, when, when all of this came up, um, one of the things was around, uh, oral sex and like the actual like throat opening. And yeah. in the last several years, I've learned, um, there's also, we're, now we're at throat chakra, right? So we're talking yeah. about truth, communication. Um, and I also had a big vocal opening around like singing. Like I didn't sing anything ever. Like I just, I had huge stories around, um, like not being a good singer, not being able to sing, which uh, like in, in Chinese cultures I've experienced, they're like, they think it's bananas or like everybody sings. Like, what are you talking about? You know, like this is insane. Like who doesn't sing? But lots of us are walking around thinking that we don't have access. Like it, we don't have to be professional opera singers, you know, to use that vibrational force and, and really enjoy this, um, this like our, our birthright of this vibration. And so I also talk in the book about the vagina voice connection. Um, and I've had, yeah, yeah vocal coaches, um, 
help me make this connection and the vagus nerve and this like we can actually calm our systems by humming and humans always have and it's incredibly important um so imagine if you're like just like work stress or whatever and you could just like hum to yourself like that's what i do if i'm getting overwhelmed mm. or if i feel like i'm spinning out i take my shoes off i put my feet on the earth and i hum because it will it will just calm me down right away and i'll get my system back into regulation very very quickly but most people don't have access to these tools i've never heard of these things um and it, it connects back to this um, this cock worship because I've actually I've followed this uh, sex coach Kim Anami and she's, <laughs> she's oh, I know, great Kim with this. Yeah, I don't know like, <laughs> if I know her work. Wow, I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know her personally either. Um, but she has the most amazing podcasts around uh, cock worship, and she has she interviews um, self identifying males, self identifying females, and there's this healing aspect. Apparently, you can have a throat orgasm, which I haven't gotten there yet, but. Um, but working with uh, deep throating. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Running out of paper. uh, paper I think think that's an advanced practice. (laughs) (laughs) I need to do a practice. Um, But I have found um, that working, what I found was that like working with my voice, working with then public speaking, speaking my truth, speaking about topics like this, there was this huge suppression back in 2018. So it's been 18, 19, we're into 21. And now I'm realizing that if, if I'm working with this, even the concept or the energy yeah. of, of cock worship, it's surrender also. So, um, and this is non-gendered, like any, anybody can worship cock. So <laughs> just like, um, the, uh, the, the opening, you know, this, um, and I'm on the visual, I'm kind of like pointing to my throat right here and just sort of like, even just like placing our hand on our throat, right. And helping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, That connection. So I've always had uh, up until this point, I've had a very strong kind of like, it's not exactly a a big gag reflex, but um, I've never been anywhere near being able to do deep throating like, or, and I could never like chug liquid back in the day. Like I have a strong, like there's a certain point where it's like, my throat is like, no, you know? And, and what it elicits though is a fear of death because what's there is this like witch wound. Right. And it's this, um, the first thing that came up in 2018 with the vocal work was, um, when I started to speak, when I started to speak the word patriarchy, I would feel an energetic hand around my neck. And then Mm -hmm. I started to speak into that and women, every women's circle that I spoke it into, they said they were experiencing the same thing and they would experience it specifically. Like there was one woman who was finishing her novel and it was on themes of patriarchy. And right when she was getting to the end was when she felt this hand around her neck and she couldn't finish it. And so it's like, I do a lot of creative coaching because this is all sacral work as well. And I, one of the things that I um, like air quotes assigned to people is primal screaming. It's incredibly um, opening to just let, like how often do we really let out a primal scream? And I recommend doing it into a pillow um, so we don't terrify people around us or alarm them, but um, a practice of primal screaming um, or even letting, I, there was a, a healing element of also like beating up a pillow, just letting like rage out yeah, because how much yeah. rage and, and grief is an unspoken non-truth or sitting in our throat chakra and right. unexpressed. And so all of that was starting to pour out, you know, this is and going. Um, and as that started to open, um, let me get like kind of graphic here, but, um, at some point in my vocal practice, I, I started working with like a crystal wand, like a rose, it was a rose quartz, like dildo essentially to gently work with the back of my throat with myself, you know, and just kind of like hum, you know, and just really gently start to work with that opening. 
because, because what would come up was grief. Like I would, I would just kind of gently like place this stone at the back of my throat and just start weeping, you know, just be like, I don't know what this, and I don't even know if it's mine. It could be collective. It, you know, it's intergenerational. If you think of intergenerational trauma in, in like sacral root throat, um, and, and particularly I feel like throat for women, our inability to speak and speak our truths and, and sing and hum. Um, this is also superpower, like, um, um, life force energy birthright stuff yeah. that when we're cut yeah. off from is it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's twisting and tangling, um, this flow. And so the, the whole point of like the chakra system is to keep these, these portals open so we can connect right above and below. So we can connect into the system, um, of like the ethereal and then also like roots into mother earth into like the 3d into Gaia and actually be in, in relationship, uh, with the earth. And so this is all one thing, you know, and so it's cock worship, like how triggering is that, you know, or how, um, how much energy is there, right? Because sure, sure. also we've been through several years of, um, I mean, I feel it's like delicate to even approach this, but the, like, you're a white guy, you know, and this like, I have a lot of white guy friends and this conversation about everything that's been going on for years. Like there's so much, um, tenderness and there's so much, um, all of the things, guilt and, you know, everybody is, is reckoning with our institutional setup and, and right, all of right. the things that are going on. Um, and so I think an era of, of like lingam worship, you know, moving back into a space of remembering, um, so interesting because I almost like the goddess rolls off my tongue, but, but like worshiping God, I'm like, ah, like it's triggering because I think, you know, I'm, then I'm thrown straight back into yeah. it's kind of like a Catholic paradigm or something that doesn't feel, sure. um, in alignment, but it is like these fertility gods. If we think of, uh, worshiping that energy. And when I say like the mountain energy, you know, we need that and that like there, there's no great sex without that energy. And so also like, because sexuality is working with the creative life force energy of the universe, of course, we all desire great sex, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. it's just that that's what, you know, it's just, it just feels so unsafe um, so often. And there's so few spaces to have these conversations because um, it's so triggering and there's so much trauma and there's so much grief and suppression and also we have it. It's not just like at one level, but it's like, let's say I come home for Christmas. I have a whole family and all of their unprocessed stuff, you know, oh and everybody God. else yeah. has this too. Yeah. And then you go to work and you have your boss and all of their unprocessed stuff. And we're just pinging this trauma off each other, you know, and then trying to somehow manage within that, all of these other pieces, like it's not sexy. Like it's, 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 it's really, um, well, it's, 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 it's becoming, not a turn on for sure. Yeah, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but it's, but it's a, a place for this sort of fertile soil. Like we've got to muck through this, this pain and this turmoil, which is what we've been doing collectively to get back to this place of um, really reconnecting to these birthrights, you know, reconnecting to singing and dancing and beautiful lovemaking and connecting with our partners and like clear consent. And, you know, whether it's with a group, whether it's with, you know, whether it's BDSM, whatever this is, um, which frankly, like BDSM, I'm like, I had no idea what was there until 2018. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. just was like, I don't know that it looks kind of weird. I'm, pr I'm pretty sure I'm not into that. But so anyway, but I don't know if I should pause because I'm kind of segueing back to the orgy finally. If we're <laughs> well, yeah, let me, you know, if, if anybody 
knows your story or read your book, they they know that it was very confronting. I mean, mm-hmm. some of these things are super confronting. You're by the way, that you're making me very uh, uh, wet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with me growing medicinal mushrooms up here and keeping the room <laughs> too warm. I promise. Um, so. Uh, yeah, let's let's let's. Well, I mean, it's not really a segue. I mean, you're the. It's so it. This language flows so naturally from you, and it's not mm-hmm. because you wrote a book. It's because you actually have processed writing a book. I think, mm-hmm. yeah. because I'm sure this didn't come as natural when you were actually, you know, downloading this text on the plane to Bali. You know, I I think that, you know, the the hard work of writing the book that was like almost the easy part it's actually integrating this stuff into our our lives so like everybody listening you're going to hear this you're going to say yeah that makes sense mm-hmm. but the challenge is going back to your partner or going into that space and feeling very liberated so let me share like I'll share a brief story with you when i was at um burning man a couple years ago my wife and i were at a bar called spanky's wine bar it was right mm-hmm. across the caddy corner to where we were camping and it was a BDSM kind of dance club. And so you go there, you get your your Moscow mule or whatever, and then you're just dancing around and there's people walking around and they're flogging or they're paddling or they're whatever. And it's not, it's not sexual. People don't understand that. This is about liberation. This is about the, the feeling um, like you are safely held to enjoy your time here. And yes, I, I suppose that flogging has a sexual component to it because your bare butts being you know slapped by a stranger. But we, when we when when it's when it becomes sexual, that's when all of the insecurities come up, you know. Mm-hmm. So when you're a Burning Man and nobody knows who you are, everybody's just there trying to hold space for your own radical expression. But both my wife and I were getting flogged in front of other people, and it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like oh look at those people getting flogged. It was like people cheering you on and people. Yeah kind of like celebrating you, you know, and we both enjoyed it immensely. Um, And then the next step to that was to go to what they call orgy dome. Mm -hmm. And what people don't know about uh, orgy dome at Burning Man, everybody, everybody thinks an orgy is everybody's going in there and you're just grabbing and tugging and sucking and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It's not, that's not for, in, in my at least appreciation of the experience, it is not that. It is really a matter of Let's address this insecurity that we all hold collectively together. Let's walk into the space, even though every single one of you has insecurities about this, and let's just experience it. Let's just be for a moment. You know, how often do we just sort of stand in the truth that I want to be, I want to experience pleasure without feeling guilt? Mm -hmm. And so our, our, our encounter with orgies was at Orgy Dome, and there's two options. You can go into one side, which is we're open to mixing, then the other side, which is we're going to be in the room with other people, but we're going to be stick, sticking together. So maybe don't approach me. That right. type of thing. Mm-hmm. So we went into the side where we're going to stick just between my wife and I. And without, I don't, I don't really care to share details, but what I will say is that the experience of being in a room where a bunch of other people were being openly expressive about how much pleasure they were receiving Mm -hmm. and how much pleasure they were delivering to their partner. And there were thruples in there. There were, you know, there were couples, Mm -hmm. there was whatever. You just couldn't go in alone. You weren't going to go there and sit in the corner and just watch. So, so the experience of hearing all of these other women and men expressing themselves through grunting, through moaning, through, I mean, the wet, the sliding, the, the sheets, the, 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 it was a multi-sensory experience. And it was just me and my wife. And it was probably the, the 
the most pleasure I've ever received over a three-hour period. It's not like we were having sex the whole time. That's a lot of sex. It was mm -hmm. sometimes just holding each other yeah. and caressing one another while hearing other people being pleasured without yeah. any guilt, without any shame, without any pretext as to what this means or worries about the emotional aftermath of what you're doing or yeah. whatever. It was just consensual eroticism at its finest. And that to me was like, I will never, there, there was a time before that and there's a time after that within my own sexuality. And it was the greatest turn on. And it was, it was something that we can still turn to once in a while in our heart because we've experienced that, you know, that the, the space to just be us and to just love one another in the way that we both want to be loved. Mm -hmm. So that was my experience. And I know that your experience was a little bit different. Um, mm -hmm. And you were also going in alone into the orgy experience. So, so talk to me a little bit about it. Why was it so confronting for you? If we haven't said enough already, why was it yeah. so confronting for you? And then what's, how do you, how do you, how do you sort of, um, what language do you use to describe why it was so liberating in case anybody's like, Hey, right. orgies, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, you, I believe are the first person to share that kind of story with me. I, I've been the one running around talking about <laughs> this, like uh, very, like, a hot subject. Um, and it's so beautiful to hear that reflection and, um, and what an opening it is and can be. And for somebody who had never done it before, a couple who yeah. had never done it before and, and, and the healing aspect really, you know, so it's not about Very how, yeah. like, yeah, it's not about how raunchy or whatever it, it, at all. It's really interesting how, um, how these words, you know, if you use the word orgy in the middle of anywhere, like what it, what it triggers in people, yeah. what it brings yeah. up, what kind of images and how um, BDSM, right. And how actually when one moves past all of that baggage, all that fear or whatever that or all of those stories and, and end up in the experience um, somehow, hopefully safely and held and, and, yeah. and in some beautiful, the incredible opening it can have because Clearly, that's not what we're taught, most of us, you know, in our primary culture along the way. And um, so, okay, so why was it so confronting? Okay, so I uh, was in a, as I'm going to call it like a ceremonial experience um, with a guide. And um, he is somebody who just is able to spot like the sort of sore spots or the, the whatever it is that a person is hiding, like you know, right behind that thing, like, oh, yeah, there's nothing here, nothing to see here. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of energy. And, um, and that's what a good guide does is like invite us into uh, that place of discomfort, because there's a healing opportunity there. Um, and so, and so I was invited into a choice um, as a kind of growth exercise between um, threesome, orgy and dominatrix. And um at the time, I just, I, you know, I, I thought I had like a pretty actively good sex life. I didn't feel like I was particularly repressed or that I had anything missing. But uh, when I was confronted with this choice, um, I was like devastated. I was like weeping on the floor. I had 24 hours to make this choice. Yeah. And, um, and I, it was amazing because my brain immediately um, started to think of every horrible thing that could somehow happen. And, and these thought forms were coming up from all manner of places that I had no idea were hanging out <laughs> in my brain. Um, all these blockages and all of these, all these sort of, actually, now that we've talked about like college experience and things like this, like 
it's not surprising at all that all of this stuff was in there, but I just had no idea. And so it was just, I imagined my, my brain immediately to protect me was like, um, you know, you're going to get hurt. Like it's going to be traumatic. You're going to something, something, all of these awful things. And so I was weeping and crying, but I, but I knew I could feel inside of me. There was, um, there was a yes. And there was this this, like spirit being like, you can can do it, like, go for it, like, take, you know, take this leap. And so I, um, I, I said, uh, I chose orgy. And then um, there's actually there are pieces of of this story where uh, he and I actually attempted to organize our own, (laughs) (laughs) its own, its own adventure. Um, But it was funny, I did write in the book, well, you've frozen a little bit. Okay, now we're back. Okay. Um, so I did write in the book that that, that immediately when I said yes, um, I had like this like kundalini opening. I had it was just like this energy started moving and it was like, whoa, like the next morning it was, I, I described it as rainbow disco ice cream <laughs> because it was this most amazing <laughs> feeling that I had no idea what that was, but it was great. And I was like, this is amazing. And then I went to ecstatic dance. Um and this is all pre-COVID time. So I go to ecstatic dance and uh, I, my fr- I run into a friend and I tell her, I was like, I, um, I tell her that I think I'm going to go to an orgy or something like this. And then she's like, she starts introducing me immediately. She's like, this is my friend, Erin. She's organizing an orgy. Do you want to come to her orgy? <laughs> and, then, and people were like, yeah, like, give me your number. <laughs> we were totally into it. No, oh, like, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, this just happened like 12 hours ago. You know, like I said, yes, like 12 hours ago. Um, I was like, oh my God. So there's all this energy. Um, and I was also, there was this moment I was within probably the same 24, maybe 48 hours. I was walking uh, on my path. Like I have this beautiful walk in, in nature and, um, bicyclists would come up there and strangely, it's like, I was walking along and I was just in this energy and this, this cyclist whistles at me, which is so strange. Like cyclists by their nature are like, they're very disciplined, you yeah. know, kind of yeah. people. They don't even look at you. They're go, they're doing, cause I was living on top of a mountain. So these are people who ride a bike up a mountain. Right? <laughs> and this dude whistles at me, which is so weird. And normally it would have been so like intrusive, you know, it would have been like, this this violation um but for whatever reason because of the energy I was in I just I was just in it and I just liked it and I I don't know how I responded I think I just looked at him but I was like into it and he nearly like toppled his bike <laughs> like, he just, <laughs> like it was such a mismatch of like I don't know what happened but I don't think he knew either and I probably surprised himself that he whistled at me you know like it was probably some sort of weird like involuntary thing that yeah. we were this energy was just he was moving. picking up this energy and he couldn't mm. help but just let a little like shriek out so, yeah. <laughs> exactly. incredible you look <laughs> there was a kundalini snake like emerging yeah, so- it's like what is this <laughs> and then within the next like night i think it was or maybe it was the next few days i i went to my friend's birthday and we were at a bar and there was this dude that, like an older gentleman that was like kind of on the you know would have been creepy side would have been like somebody to avoid at a bar and um and i was just able to alchemize the energy somehow like he entered my space with this kind of creepy energy and sort of without any effort he just morphed into like a gentleman. Like he couldn't hold that creepy energy with the energy that I was in somehow. 
So all of this magical stuff happened immediately before I was anywhere near any orgy. <laughs> like it, was, wow. it was, this was, you know, it took months before the thing actually played out. So like the potentially planned orgy actually never happened. Um, but I planted the seed with a girlfriend of mine who I knew was kind of in the scene and I knew that she was in a, um, a good space with it. So I, you know, I had a sense, I did have a sense of danger and it was like, I wasn't going to just like walk into a party in Hollywood, you know, cause that could yeah. be, and right. I don't know, I can't say that every, you know, group sex experience is a well-held space. You know, I would say be very discerning about this and what kind of energy you're in and what kind of intentionality there is. Cause that's, that's everything. Yeah. Um, and so as it turned out, she connected me into, to an, an event that I eventually, um, attended and it was, uh, I was terrified. Um, I actually ended up like not, I, so I'm, I'm sworn to secrecy. So I have to stop at a certain point. I would love to give details. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, there's a, you know, um, there's a thing around it. So, but I did, um, connect up with a friend, um, a couple of friends actually. And so we did, I, I wasn't totally alone actually, you know, we did kind of like form, um, I don't know if it's teams or the form bonds. <laughs> you guys with green pennies. We're going to be on right over here. <laughs> like high five. Um, but it was once we got into it, I actually dropped in very quickly. I found out like the men um, that I knew that were there were also terrified. And that was incredibly healing for me because a lot of people immediately, you know, make the joke. They're like, Oh yeah. Like the men would be, but the truth is like every single person had something. And, you know, we, there were some exercises around um, sharing that at first also. So the space was incredibly exquisitely held um, where we were all able to just kind of be with our discomfort, be in, able to drop in. Yeah. And then it was a very similar experience, actually, with the um, the sense of just being in that space with people sharing openly. As soon as that started happening, you know, I looked at my friend and we were both like, wow, like, this is just <laughs> like, wow, like, you, I just wouldn't even my brain wasn't even couldn't couldn't have made that up you know it wasn't even in the yeah. realm of imagination it was this experience that was beyond um and what a phenomenal thing to be in that level of honesty with other humans yeah. right and and to be um and for everyone to hold the intentionality together so that there was a safety with this many people you know that that and of course this this one the list was curated so it was a specific group of people um and so, you you know, you were only invited if you were deemed to be able to hold a kind of space like that. So I think it was probably a lot of like healers, you know, a lot of yeah, people who are yeah. already in in healing spaces, um, many of whom had never had this kind of experience before. Um, and there is like there's a play party scene. There's these things happen all the time. There's a whole community, which I've learned around it. Um, but I think for many of us, it was an utterly life changing experience. And it is. It's, there's a before and an after. Mm. And then since then, like the, the threesome thing has become quite easy, incredibly joyful also. Like I, it's kind of amazing. I think all I had heard before that was that they're kind of awkward or something. And it was another thing that I just sort of discarded and never came up in my life. I didn't feel particularly yeah. drawn or like I was yeah. missing something. But again, it's 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 transcending something, you know, at least my been um uh one of the experiences was with an ex and his new girlfriend. So it was like unimaginably wow. healing yeah, yeah. Uh, just just beyond I mean just levels of healing that were beyond what I thought were possible which is really you know I think what we're after when we get into get serious about healing work 
Um, and so, and I do feel like dominatrix, so we're back to cock worship again. I think, um, the dominatrix, um, and, uh, th- this like deep throating edge of mine is actually my next chapter. Um, because holding that space, uh, the psychological aspects of the, the dominatrix thing, like I knew nothing about this as well, but there's um, a whole world around, um, like, let's say it's like the female dominatrix and, um, a a male, um, I don't even know what the word is, but person working with dominatrix, um, the space, as I understand it is the, uh, desire often for like very like air quotes, powerful, like, or externally in the world, powerful men to surrender, you know, and to be, um, Mm. to be in a held space. And, and as I understand it, I'm, I, I obviously don't know, I have more to learn, but, um, it's, uh, it's also that I believe that they are actually still in charge ultimately because they, they, um, they're, I don't know the safe words and the things like this. So there's, there's right. a very right. in particular, there's an art to all of this. And, um, and I find that fascinating. I'm like, I know that there yeah. are all manner of edges in there and things that clearly I don't even know what they are, you know, like <laughs> I haven't studied. Um, but yeah. I know that there's a, a, a breakthrough edge that feels now accessible in a way that never was before. Yeah. I think that for my, for my wife and I to, you know, you got me really thinking a lot about why was our experience so great and why was it so liberating, but very healing for our, for our, not that we could identify something that we need to heal from. It's not like, Hey, we're on the rocks. We better go try an orgy. It, that's right. not what I'm saying. It was more like, Hey, is this something that we could enjoy together? Mm-hmm. And it's very rare. I mean, we we met my wife and I met when we were sixteen, and apart from a period in med school when we were apart, we've that's we've been like, you know, peas and carrots ever since. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to find new experiences, right? Whenever you're younger, it's like, mm-hmm. for lack of better terms, the same moves and the same kind of turn-ons become a little bit less exciting. So, mm-hmm. hey, could this thing be healing for us? And I think that the reason that my wife found it. Um, that I think that the reason that we we bound we became so um, sort of bound bound over the experience was that she knew that I was uncomfortable with it. She knew that that and, and there was an honesty there that perhaps she had never seen with me because I am the type that I'm very masculine, um, at least in, energetically. I'm very masculine, probably not so much as like the you know the linebacker who's just out there like hammering it at the bars and everything. Every I, I don't even know, but it's. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pro- obviously a little bit more sensitive to this type of conversation. So people would be like, he's not masculine. <laughs> but, but I mean, for me, like I was raised by a rough and gruff, rust belt, you know, um, HVAC guy. That was my dad. And he grew out a Harley and had to sell it when my mom got pregnant with me. And and um, I was kind of, uh, I was trained as a man to just have the answer and to really be, to never show fear, to never show pain, to never show emotion. And going into that space, it was very, very confronting. And I think that the reason that my my wife um, kind of jumped in and actually was the initiator when we were actually in the orgy dome was because she could tell I was afraid. And for her, for lack of better terms, it was a turn on because it gave her, it allowed her to hold space for me and to actually guide me through as opposed to me always having the answer or the solution. So mm-hmm. so the, the sort of the liberation side of this conversation is really far deeper, right? Than most people Mm -hmm. probably think when they hear about orgies. It's not about going off and like getting off in a room of other people. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, the voyeuristic aspect might actually be a turn on, but it's, it's really the confronting something you're afraid of and having somebody hold your hand as you go through. Like, that's what Mm -hmm. we're actually lacking. 
because we're not connected. Most people are digitally connected with a lot of people, but they're not really connected even with their most, their most sacred relationships, you know? Yeah. And um, so anything, anything you want to comment on there? Cause I, I definitely want to get into some, um, some other topics, but gosh, we've already been recording for an hour <laughs> and 12 minutes. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. Together. Um, the one thing that comes up is just that in this experience, this healing experience and this initiation and this, um, holding is that we, we are still, we're working with the creative life force of the universe, right? So that's when we remember that there is something larger here and that, uh, opening these channels and, um, having the courage to move past these stuck points, I feel, you know, feel these walls or whatever it is and, and move through, um, that is the pathway of all healing work. And so sexual healing is, is one pathway and one doorway and a, an incredibly powerful one because of everything that we've been talking about, because right, right. the culture that we're in, we're, we just have so much sort of like programming and so much stuff collectively um, that I feel uh, even talking about these subjects and putting them out there have its own healing effect, you know, just yeah. for people to listen, you know, and I, and I know also it's very triggering for some people because it's just so far out there. Um, and I feel like it's been very empowering for I've gotten some feedback, you know, from, from friends and from, um, clients, from people I've never met, you know, around the book. And, and also it opens up like in my, in my coaching practice, we get a lot of sexual healing conversation because it's part of, um, like, for example, if we have somebody working on creative work, you know, writing a book or working on their business or something, um, and they have throat things going on, it's like, I might recommend, I have recommended this, like, crystal dildo practice, you know, like a, um, a jade egg practice or, um, crystal egg, you know, um, or yoni egg, whatever you want to call it. Um, sacred, uh, womb pussy practice is, I was just reflecting, I think yesterday or the day before of just when I was first studying this, it was like, what I was learning was like a woman's pussy power. It's this, her center of power and to be connected is to be connected to her universal power and to be disconnected is to be disconnected from that universal power. Mm. And I think it's just, I was, I know what it is. I, I was feeling it. I haven't been home for, um, to see my family for a couple of years because of what has been going on in the world. And, um, and I've grown so much could actually feel the energy of like just my center of gravity is right there, you know, in, in my womb space and just feeling like all of this healing work has, um, I feel more solid, you know, I feel more yeah. lit up. I feel more powerful. Um, I've been able to help in ways uh, in sort of like crisis situations recently that we don't have to get into, but that I was just, I was just tuned in, you know, I didn't have to overcome something to be able to be in a confronting situation. I was just there. Um, it's wild, you know, it's, 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 uh, and why, why wouldn't that be the case? Like the womb, you know, is the center, it's the central metaphor of human civilization. So to be connected, um, to sexuality, to pussy, to womb is, uh, and then ultimately all the way back to, um, to lingam and the connection and the dance is, is, I think the most powerful healing work, you know, practice that we've got. <sighs> yeah. And, and you, you did, I mean, you did kind of just set the stage for a big part of our conversation that I'd, I'd love to dive into, which is, you know, the, the world's in a, in a really rough spot right now. Yeah. And, you know, everything from, I mean, you, you, you started as a soil researcher, by the way, Dr. McMorrow is a, <laughs> has a PhD in urban planning from USC. 
she's done the work and now she's writing a book that combines the beauty of the 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 divine feminine with mother nature with soil health and with sexuality i mean like it's everything that i ever talk about that's why you and i got to be such quick friends <laughs> um and all of this you know you break down each of those topics really part by part in your book and and sort of at the end of the day, when we're looking at applying some of these things to the world, this is not just, you know, about, like you said, this isn't just about me healing. It's not just about my wife and I having a great experience at Burning Man. It's not even really about how I teach my kids about these things. It's really that we are all a part of some greater thing. And for us to fail to realize that we're a part of something big and bigger than us is really reflected all the way down to how we try to, to, to make food in our country, right? And, mm -hmm. and the, the sort of abbreviated version of that is, hey, we've got a field here. What do we want to make? Let's make this one crop and let's keep adding more and more stuff to the soil to try to get higher yields until it doesn't work anymore. Then that field is completely wasted. We move on to the next mm -hmm. field and we do mm -hmm. this over and over and over again. And now we're going to genetically modify crops so that we don't even need the soil health. We just get this weird corn that pops up now. And, and so that has been the pattern over the last couple hundred years. I mean, really, since the dawn of agriculture, we haven't really been appreciative of the of the sort of cycling of carbon and whatnot. And nowadays, we have all the technology, we have all the understanding, but we're having a hard time putting it into practice because I think we've we've become so conditioned to feel that we are siloed off as individuals. It's all about my 401k, my bank account, my achievements. And if I can get to the top of the mountain, I can then meditate and become healthy again or something. I don't know what story it's that it, it is a common story that you see even in Hollywood play out. But if we're going to fix the world, we have to actually start to realize that we are a part of something else, that your fertility or your pain or your partner's pain is not in isolation. It is a part, a reflection of some greater ill within our society. And for us to continue to pretend that we're just going to keep putting Band-Aids on the problem and eventually everything will be fine, it hasn't worked for us in the past. It's never going to work for us in the future. And I think that you're kind of bringing us back into an appreciation just of the soil alone. If we can just appreciate how the soil and the plants and the mycorrhizal fungi and the insects and how this whole system, this biosphere works together, and we're a part of that. We are not separate from that. If we can maybe, if we can maybe, you know, as this new world is emerging, which whether we like it or not, something new is coming. If we can reimagine a new world that appreciates that fundamental concept, which is not rocket science, because we yeah. see it everywhere. We see this cycling all over, not just in carbon sequestration and um, composting, but also in our daily lives, as we talked about, in the menstrual cycles, etc. So my next question for you is as we see this new world emerge, mm. what are the lessons of compost? You use that phrase in your book. What are mm. those lessons and how can we actually start to, um, as individuals, right? Like we don't need to start any big international nonprofit that's going to raise a billion dollars and create a big film that's going to be shown on Mars someday and they're, they're going to say, look, the saviors <laughs> found us. <laughs> um, um, uh, you know, it's 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 really a matter of like, what are we as individuals able to take as lessons from the soil mm. in order for us to, um, um, well, let's start there. And then I want to mm. get into love because we've been talking about love, but I, but I also see love as kind of like zero potential. Love is the, is the 
um, creative force of the nat- uh, of the universe. Mm-hmm. So let's start with compost. What lessons do we have from compost? And then let's merge that into love as our teacher. Okay. All right. Compost. <laughs> no big deal. Um, <laughs> well, compost compost is such a humble thing, right? It's yeah. like in in a practical matter, it's like your uh, food, whatever air quotes food waste. P.S. There's no such thing as food waste because there's no such thing as waste, and everything goes always goes back into the cycle. Um, I think for for humans, like this humble act of putting our food scraps or whatever it is, or food that has um, started decomposing already or something, back into the earth rather than into some concept of a landfill, which is yeah. just it's actually it's, it's such a perfect metaphor for. Um, you know, the the metaphor, the energetic metaphor for humans would be, we don't have to carry anything around with us. We can let it all go back energetically. Mm -hmm. We can, um, and I do this, this energetic practice with myself and my clients where, um, we scan our body for anything that may not serve and just allow it to fall away into the earth. Um, and sometimes it'll do like grow imaginary roots so you can just pass all of that, whatever it is back into the earth and allow mother nature to compost it and turn it back in, uh, to something more useful, which is the way energy actually works and the way that the universe actually flows. Um, and we stop it up if we're carrying things. So if we're carrying trauma, if we're carrying uh, baggage, if we're carrying stories, um, we are clogging up our own system. And mm-hmm. we're actually, in a sense, clogging up the larger system. And so as part of this larger thing, it's it's our job to continue to let go when it's time to let go. Um, it's also about death, right? So, I mean, that's a big door to open. Um, oh. and- <laughs> Had to go there, didn't you, Erin? But it is like you imagine the letting go part of any cycle, right? So it's we're talking about menstruation and shedding, um, the death part of the cycle. If you think of the forest floor, so for the more simpler part, um, the leaves that fall off the tree, it's the death part of the cycle. It's the winter part of the cycle, um, the crone part of the cycle. Um, that it requires this, we must let go in order to, to, to have that new life come back through. We can't just hang on forever. Right. Like, imagine the trees right. hung on to their leaves, you know, it doesn't work that way. And so I think that's what we forget as humans is that, um, or that our, our culture is, is all about this sort of like hanging on, you know, hanging on to air quotes, life at all costs, when actually life is moving through the entire cycle the whole time, including all the things that we call air quotes dead, you know? Um, and so, so there is this, this beauty in the simple, humble act of giving back to the earth through compost, right. And through uh, the part of it is the intentionality too, giving back, knowing that we're giving back as opposed to being like, we're going to throw this away because that's what we're doing psychologically. It's like, we're just going to, old people we're gonna put them in a nursing home you know like um period we're gonna ignore that you know like all this trauma, it all together yeah. i don't know what yeah. you're talking about it's just <laughs> denial i mean it's just straight it's just thick yeah. thick thick layers of denial because there's so much pain there because we don't have like ceremony ritual um healing modalities in place in our culture um yeah. in the way that we need i mean this is i mean to like launch off i was having a vision last night of like okay every single prison, every single mental health institution, every single um, death space being hospice or whatever, we need uh, plant medicine and facilitators and sound bowls. <laughs> we need like just- That's, that's, that's one building, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there we are. 
<laughs> yeah. And when, when the little interjection there, you, you know, you mentioned death, but of course, mm. you know, for those who don't know, I'm a, an OBGYN, but I'm also a hospice trained physician and a fellowship trained hospice physician. And um, it's, it's always been striking to me as I've been very, very interested in soil and regenerative agriculture and whatever else, that human beings are so afraid of their own mortality that when we that when we die, we want to be puffed up with all this fake cosmetic stuff. We want to be, you know, injected with this toxic, nasty, uh, whatever it's called, embalming fluid or whatever. And then we're going to be put into a box lined with lead to, to, to slow down the degradation, the decomposition further. And then we're going to put that lead lined casket, which cost, you know, your family 15 grand into a concrete tomb. And we're going to bury it down in the ground and just hope that your body doesn't, we don't even have to think about you decomposing. We've done everything to delay that process even after you've died. So our denial of our periods, right? Or our daily cycling of our hormones and whether you're male or female is, is you know, downstream. We don't even let go of that. We don't even, that, that denial, you know, goes with us to the grave. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, not, we're not comfortable with the idea that we possibly, that our corpus is actually one with Mother Nature. It's an actually important part of the biosphere. So much so that we can't even fathom the worms are going to eat us and recycle us into their casings and we're going to be back into the collective. You know, it's it's such a sad, um, like if we could get over that, it would just, imagine how liberating that in, in and of itself would be. The death is actually a privilege. Mm. We actually get to go back into the soil and become back, you know, reemerge back into the, the matter of the universe. It's mm-hmm. just a beautiful notion mm-hmm. that we, um, we're very far from maybe accepting that, but um, you know, yeah. things are changing. So anyways, go ahead. Yeah, well, I'm like, am I going to steer it this way? I, what, it, what it brings to mind um, is the another unmentionable is is shit. So like, this, yeah. um, the, the, we're talking about the root chakra, right? And so it's like, what happens to the body if it doesn't let go? Like what happens if we're constipated? Or like to a, to a certain point, we we die. You know, like there's that. Yeah. Like there's if we stop the system, um, it, it, the system will reset itself in the. And right. so um, this sense, like compost, is also that right. It's also mm. like we eat, we we receive. This is also yin yang. Like we receive, and then and then we um, give back gift so the masculine also gives like giving is the masculine's favorite thing to do um and receiving is the feminine's favorite thing to do and most of us are not great at either (laughs) mostly as a culture we're hoarding you know we're just like oh let's just collect everything as opposed to like moving in this constant energetic flow um which of course is it parallels um you know back to the the sex uh, metaphor and the the giving and the receiving um yeah, so so shit is another. It's this like um, blind spot, like complete denial. I actually believe that you know that whole toilet paper thing with <laughs> with COVID. I really think that was like um, a, a giant metaphor for uh, our clogged root chakras, and that this has been a huge root purging, um, and that we are we're moving into sacral purgings as well. But the first stage has been this um, very intense root root purging. As Kundalini is rising, she's just reaching Mm. this giant bolus of shit and she can't get through. (laughs) (laughs) Right at the second chakra. (laughs) Now you can't get the image out of your head, Aaron. (laughs) Was I going to take it to shit? I guess. (laughs) What else am I going to do? Yeah. (laughs) No, that's that's really important. And I can't emphasize, I know we talked a little bit about the chakras, but anybody out there who's having any medical issues up here, 
as above, so below. It's something that's probably rooted down below the level of your heart chakra in the first three. And um, that's the vast majority of therapy I do. It has nothing to do with medicine. It's really like, why don't you feel like you have enough? Why don't you feel like you are enough? Like, when's the last time you sang, you dance? I mean, those are all things that are so critical, but the illusion of scarcity drives so much of our behaviors. And um, it doesn't serve us. It's time to shed that skin for sure. Yeah. The, um, I mean, I, the, I believe that's our core wound is that value, knowing our worth and our value, yeah. um, which is also, it's also a root chakra. So safety, uh, feeling like we're safe in the universe, um, not in the external have enough in our bank account. I, that, that's one layer of it. But the first layer is like, we can root into Gaia. Like we feel yes. safe there and we know we're part of a bigger cycle. And even if we, right literally get hit by a bus or something like that we're still here our essence is still here there's no it's uh everything is perfect and always working towards our highest good and so we don't have to cling to that um that fear of death because the fear of death comes from a linear concept of life right it's like there's a beginning and there's an end and so so birth is good and death is bad and then it's like again it's like nothing works in a straight like that nothing in nature works that way so remembering means that like okay if we're if life actually moves in cycles if it's made in mother crone and if all parts of the cycle are equally valuable um then we can also be reverent of older age and of the wisdom yeah. and the magic that yeah. comes there and then the incredible portal that is death you know the incredible transformation and the incredible healing power of grief um which is not always comfortable. In fact, yeah. usually quite quite uncomfortable, but essential for um, for life. And so, um, having you know, grief rituals is another thing. We just have a dearth of um, any kind of grief ritual. I know my my sixteen year old cat passed away this year in April, and I found that I was trying to research grief rituals from around the world because um, it was so astounding to me how poorly our culture deals with grief you know even dealing with somebody in grief uh dealing with um like like the fact that my cat was passing away most people it triggered their denial immediately like just just that you know and just my the amount of grief that i was experiencing had very few safe places to go thankfully i was able to find you know some community and some people who, who have done work around that and, you know, the importance of death doulas and things. So this is all, you know, they're all really, it's all the same thing. These themes are all, I think we will circle back to love. I don't know. If we, it's, uh, maybe we'll all the way there. back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, again, being in death and birth, I've started even wondering myself, is birth the beginning mm-hmm. or is death the beginning? Mm-hmm. And it makes me, it kind of brings back that the, the grand, the grandest question of all, like, why are we here? Mm-hmm. And I think we are here so that we can die. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that. And it doesn't, it's not as, uh, as sort of fatalistic and sort of morbid as it sounds. It's like, listen, you're here for a purpose. You're here to be a part of this greater system. You are all, everything you do, everything you represent, everything you say, the way you make people feel matters because you're going to die. That is the end game for everybody. You cannot get out of mortality. It's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. It's a privilege to die. Mm-hmm. It is not a, a uh, something like a womp womp, we're going to die. <laughs> that is actually what makes life rich is because you have a finite time here. Your mm-hmm. purpose is to be alive for a period and then to die. Mm-hmm. And then perhaps the light at the end of the tunnel is actually you reemerging into the world through another um, womb. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But that's another conversation for another time. Perhaps that in and of itself is a cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, because the process of imagining a baby emerging and a process of us going down a tunnel at the end of life is strikingly similar to me. But mm-hmm. but again, there's that another cycle. There's this other cycle. I mean, these cycles just keep coming up. And, and I think that... Um, Let's just get into, I mean, let's get into love. If love is the creative force of the nature of, of the universe, then, mm. you know, what do we have to lose by loving more and, and by mm. really sitting back and just planting our feet in the soil and just remembering that like everything is going to be okay. Mm. And it's not, but that healing, that, that okayness is not going to come from us siloing off resources and pretending like we're going to be here forever because what reflects that we're going to be here forever is that you're collecting shit that you can't take with you down into that concrete tomb. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that you have all this money, all this silver, all this ammunition, 10 houses around the world, all these cars. I mean, like it's cliche to say, but really, if you're accumulating material things, it suggests to me that you are absolutely mortified that you're not going to be here forever right? You're trying, you're going to try to buy something that's going to be here beyond you. And in the impermanence of life, just like the impermanence of our favorite tree in in our front yard when we were growing up, that's what makes those memories so important. And even for my daughter, just like yesterday, she is starting to use sentences. She's not even two, but she's like, I don't want you to do that. Like she says that, I don't want to do that. And we're like, where the hell did that come from? Like, And granted, she's had some fevers, like we won't even get into fever, but there's a spiritual upgrade that happens with these young kids and their fevers. Like it's not uh, an infection. It's not COVID. Don't start swabbing my kid's nose. This kid's going through an upgrade and bam, a week Mm -hmm. ago, she woke up and started using sentences and, Mm -hmm. um, and, and the impermanence of that state of her being right. The cute and cuddly six week old we have, Mm -hmm. she is never going to be the same the following day, the day after. You never step into the same stream twice. The impermanence of raising a little baby is what makes the process of raising a little baby just so beautiful. Mm. And um, no number of photos or videos or anything else is going to help us, but even our reliance on photos and videos because we don't want to let go of the memory as if Mm. that's the memory, is this physical thing we have in a a frame on the wall. So anyways, I'm rambling now, but... (laughs) Let's let's wrap this conversation up with a conversation that might help people become grounded again, and um, in order for them to sort of remember what they're here to do, so that they have an answer as to what they might start working on tomorrow. Hmm. Okay. Um, thank you. What comes up? I think we actually were discussing on a, on a phone call. Um, one of my a medicinal journey, a mushroom journey around death. Um, yeah, it was. I'll, I probably won't tell all of it. Some of it was uh, that I was sort of taken on a tour. I was in a forest, uh, taken on a tour of like the underside of a like air quotes rotting um, little bench, and it had all these mushrooms and things on. I was shown was how much life was there. And so that actually was in fact the life side. And there was another part where I was um, walking up and down this like, it was like a redwood, it was huge. Uh, so I was walking up and down this thing and it was like dead, dead ski as we would understand it. Like it's roots were up <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> you know, dead not, ski. not a life tree. Um, but in, in the ceremony, I was able to see, you know, th- through the veil, the life force energy in and in everything. And it was the same. It was 
mount or the same like a mount isn't even things get weird in ceremony trying to put words to it but course, the, yeah. the life force energy was running through everything and so it was showing me that there, there literally is no such thing as death other than what we understand as this portal of transformation um and back to compost the the lesson transforms and everything transforms all the mm. time like constantly there is no end to it there's also i just remember this that there's this uh, like sacred creek running by the whole time and the message was like that sound never stopped like that that stream just keeps going right it just keeps mm. going mm. and um so i don't know where i can't remember where this comes from but it's like don't don't grab the sides of the river you know <laughs> you just gotta you just gotta flow um and so same kind of thing of like blockage right of like constipation or thing it's like these essential spiritual lessons of life and death that have been passed on through all of human time are essentially this it's like all there is is the present moment <laughs> and that's it and the whole fabric of everything yeah. is in fact love and so um getting back to these healing spaces uh this idea of the things that we're going through right now that society is going through the um the, the antidote is love, right? So it's like blast it with love. Like that's how we move through uh, these sticky spots and these um, these traumas and these um, these places, these places of forgetting, you know, is that we, we infuse with love and compassion. Um, and I feel like that's my primary job as like an air quotes healer. You know, I hold space right. and, I, and I blast yeah. with love. <laughs> That's yeah. just what I do. Um, and so so to remember, um, oh, one of the lessons from that um, from that ceremony was I sort of asked it. I was like, well, then what's the point of incarnating? If it's all the same thing, you know, if it's all one thing, why incarnate? And it was like to celebrate life. Like every incarnation is a gift. Every moment is a gift. It's an honor, just like dying is an honor. Mm-hmm. And so the the medicine's message to me was like, live it with all you've got you know it's, yeah. a, it's sort of yeah. a gift from nature yeah. to to have these moments I and mean, we have anything but um insofar as we have like a air quotes job it's to live the fuck out of it you know? yeah. yeah that's it and there's so much um there so much joy like pure like true happiness and joy that is has nothing to do with the collection of material things you know of um mm-hmm of hanging on it really the art of life is letting go more than yeah. anything and like yeah. being being present and letting go being present and letting go and grieving when it's time to grieve and resting when it's time to rest and going for it when it's time to go for it um and being present to which part of the cycle we're in at any given moment and also to hold space for others we have uh, a little bit more when our well is a little more full you know our cup is a little more full and we have more to give to hold that space of love and compassion for as many others as we can um because everybody else is moving through it too and we're all we're yeah. all in this healing cycle together to draw a little bit from what you just said i, I think this might be a line from your book i wrote it down mm. like haphazardly in my notes vibration mm. is the love as the language of the universe did you write that i don't know <laughs> Channel. <laughs> well, okay. Whoever was cha- you were channeling said some really cool shit. <laughs> um, and you, you know, you also said not. You know, uh, well. Anyways, vibration is the language of the universe. I, I wanted to share an experience I had. Yeah, I know. I, you, you, I think those are your words, but it's not. <laughs> they're my words, and you know, I'll happily take credit. But okay. The uh, I, you, you're 
your the language you used in in writing your book is so beautiful. That's why it was so easy to read twice. And uh, I don't even remember the last time I read a book twice. So you you are a a prolific writer. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if these are your words. Um, it, it really reminded me though of the um, of uh, I, I did psilocybin, which is uh, psilocybin, and um, uh, Syrian rue, which is an MAOI, prolongs the experience similar to the the waska part of ayahuasca. But this was not without the aya. I don't even know the names of the two plants. I need to shore up on that. But anyway, it was like twenty hours, very very hard, and the mm. the the um, the the highlight, the uh, most memorable, the biggest takeaway for me was that it kept just getting deeper and deeper and deeper into this fabric of reality. Um, and if anybody out there hasn't done mushrooms or anything else, it's hard to really, it's hard sometimes to discern reality from your experience, right? You can open your eyes and you can remember, okay, I'm on this couch, but you close your eyes perhaps, or not even, you may be out in the woods and stuff is emerging that you're just now privy to. It's like that cerebral reducing valve is open that Aldous Huxley mm -hmm. described. And you have this flood of information that is really cosmic information. It's energy and information, which could also be described as love. Mm -hmm. And and as I was getting behind these doors, it was almost like you're going into a nightclub and you're going back behind that door. And then there's that door. And then you're getting behind the backstage door. And then you're back behind that door. And it just kept going deeper and deeper until I was in a room of vibration. There was waveforms. There was, I can't, again, it's infallible. It's, it's, there's no real way to describe it, but I was experiencing the very fabric of reality, which was vibration. And so when I read that line, you know, that, that vibration is the language of the universe it something clicked and then it occurred to me and i do a lot of I, i've studied him um, rudolf steiner now for a couple of years and he did a lot of channeling i'm sure that his lectures thousands of lectures were all channeled and um because at the time it doesn't have much context but nowadays when you look back and you're like aha like there's something to this and you have to read 50 pages later to understand what he meant you know in page one and um, one thing that he describes as a sort of explanation as to what we're doing here is that we choose to come to the you know through the womb to emerge under the earth school in order to learn the the opposite, the 180 degree opposite, the shadow of love, which is the pain, the suffering, and, and the, the experience of being on earth is to work through those emotions and then in order to find love. Mm -hmm. And that to me, I mean, that to me is everything. Like that is the entire reason that we are here is to lead with love and compassion. And some of us are in different places in that journey. But right now in our current world, there's a lot, there's a lot of other stuff. And I'm not seeing a lot of love and compassion. Mm -hmm. And never once have I ever loved somebody unconditionally for it to backfire and hurt me. Mm -hmm. Because if you're giving love, it's, it's, it's an act of, it's like a gifting. It's sort of like a, sort of in the spirit of gifting just without expecting anything in return. Mm -hmm. And that to me is kind of what nature does. So when we talk mm -hmm. about lessons um, from compost, it makes me consider that like mother nature is rooting for us. Mm. Gaia is actually on our side. We have nothing to be afraid of, whether it's a little creepy crawly virus or a something that's infesting our fields. Like mother nature is on our side. We just need to be able to cooperate with her. You know, she's not against us. She's not out to get us. She's not our enemy. And if anything, we need to start to love the soil, love the trees. I mean, it sounds so hippy dippy. <laughs> and in a very real way, pick up that soil and just send some love to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's the work. Maybe yeah. it's the little tiny things. Maybe it's that, like, Aaron, I love you. I, I am so glad you came into my life. 
And I mean that from the bottom of my heart that my life is better now as a result of meeting you. Mm. And I don't want any ill, I don't want any harm to come to you. And I would say the same for a lot of people in my life, um, as opposed to using the divisive language of politics or of whatever is being floating around in the media or whatever else. Let's just remember that like, we're not enemies. Nobody is your enemy. Any more so than the trees or the flowers or the insects, and the and and um, I think the more that we can kind of sit with that and remember, like your job is to come here and to learn through pain, to learn through sorrow, and learn through grief, because the impermanent in, in the impermanence is actually what forces you to do that work. That's kind of what I meant by your purpose here is to die, but in the time from now until then, we're working through all of this, these challenging things. And what will hopefully emerge is love. And what I've experienced through even that experience and many other journeys and ceremonies is that you are going to emerge in love again. Mm-hmm. But what lessons are there now to be learned from all this grief and all this struggle that people are experiencing? Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave it there for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just that. Throw the ball uh, back. Yeah. Um, exactly. Thank you. I, I just, I really I just echo, I don't know if I could say it better. Um, I, what comes to mind is my cat saying, right. So recently, yeah. and I remember sitting in that grief and knowing, having been through these death ceremonies already, like knowing that I had, um, pretty, uh, decent handle on, on navigating the death space. And I was being invited to sit with it with my most beloved companion, this like animal that I've been with for 16 years, wow. um, slept in my and you know has been she's been around longer than any big friend I've ever had or anything you know and, uh, um, and she's journeys with me too you know in my dreams and everything so um, it was such a powerful initiation and invitation because part of me was like I know my way around here and I could be with it and also I was being mindful of not um, over intellectualizing it or thinking through it and just being with the actual grief um, because the pain of separation is so intense. And, and I remember having the thought and the feeling that, um, I was being shown around this pain of separation as like, um, also as an exercise of the larger, like the reason this is also painful sometimes is we really believe in this separation. If we buy into the misunderstanding of separation, it fucking hurts, you know? And if we buy into the misunderstanding of linear life that just ends some- of course we're going to hoard you know and be afraid and if we forget that we are um able to always be safe in mother gaia and 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 just like energetically drop in and just grid into her and be held no matter where we are in the cycle at any time um remembering that she's like not only is she on our side like she loves us like a mother you know it's like the purest i've had these as well we're like it's the purest love it's the sort of uh the the human mother uh is also such a challenging experience i think because we're all seeking that well, we have this knowing of this infinite mother love right because that's mm-hmm. in us mm-hmm. and the human mother can never possibly <laughs> do you know <laughs> represent all this stuff and so um so to like get back to revering the human mother for the role she plays in reminding us and for um portaling us you know and for uh, doing what she can as a as a limited human and uh, and knowing that that infinite motherly love is literally always there 
outside. Actually, I met, I met a fellow in the, those same woods at a different time um, who had been through a ceremony. And he was like, I was in this like cosmic womb. And it was like, I just knew that something loves the hell out of me, you know? And he's like, I don't know, but I just, I walk around with that knowing now, you know? I don't know, yeah. I don't know the details in this like cosmic womb. And it's like, yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's the underlying truth is we're all always in this cosmic womb and um, we are so held in this way that we, that is beyond our imagination. And I think that's why, it's, I mean, it's funny, the plants are here to support us and help us that's why we have these plant ceremonies. So it's sort of like even when we get as lost as we think we could ever be or as separate as we and forgetting as we think we could ever be and in pain, that's why the plants are always here. We literally like ingest a piece of Mother Earth as a doorway, as a pull back to remembering. Yeah. And she reminds infinite love. And then things get a lot easier. <laughs> it gets a lot, you know. Um, so I think the invitation for the collective to slowly, you know, move through process uh, all of this pain and this illusion of separation and make our way back into, into this divine remembering. Do you think that our actions as a, as a, as humanity are causing her pain or do you think she's just kind of laughing it off? Mm. <laughs> I, I go back and forth with this a little bit, but I, um, Mostly the latter. I was in a in a ceremony, a thirty six hour long great mother oh ceremony. Well, <laughs> insane. <laughs> it was. I didn't. I mean, it was. It was. I got held in. I. I did not think. Wow. I. I was prepared for one evening, and I just wasn't let out until I was done surrendering. So um, <laughs> there were a lot you of lessons. Do another podcast at some point. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was, so actually this was um, in February or March of 2020, right before days before everything came down and um and I was in the final edits of my book. So it was, um, it was kismet, you know, it was exact actually um been writing the portion of my book that was um like the names the different names of the mother around the world and um so I had basically in, invoked her and the dark goddess and so when I stepped into the ceremony I was stepping into thought I was consciously when I went in but of course it was perfect um and in in one part of it um so I was uh immediately as soon as as it sort of kicked in I I Nora's first so good sort of dragged almost outside, outside on my knees, child's pose, like forehead to the earth. And I was in Los Angeles and, um, the, the, the earth was compact. Like it was hard as a brick. Like there was no, you couldn't like put a finger in it, you know, like there was no, you couldn't. And it was like, it was so hard of scratching my forehead. The medicine, I was like on my knees. I just was I could feel it was just like, it's so dry. It's so dry. It's so hard. And I started weeping and I was like, I'm so sorry. We're so, we're so sorry. Like, look at what we've done and, um, just weeping and weeping. And then within that, I somehow like merged into the view from her. So I sort of like, I, I could see through her eyes and I could feel through her being and she, was like literally the great mother, like the, the, uh, through the eyes of an ever benevolent, loving, 
And I was apologizing for like all of, I just saw all of uh, industrialization, I saw the whole thing, <laughs> capitalism, yeah. whatever yeah. you want to call all of this and all of the destruction and all of the horror. And she was in complete peace. Um, and she was just like, that's what children do. And so it was like, it's like, uh, so yeah. back. it was just like to, all of industrialization, all the horror was just like tiny, tiny little nub, you know, of experience. And she was way back here where it's almost like we're children in a sandbox and we're um, allowed, but we're in this process of like trying things out. So we like, you know, we're playing with sticks and we're like um, building things and knocking them down and like, that's like working with the material. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the material of mother, um, we're always safe. There's nowhere we can wander that's too far. There's no place to get lost. Um, there's no way to get it wrong. Um, oh, <laughs> it's got me. Um, everything is always forgiven. Like it's inherent in the fabric of, of creation, of, all, of everything. Um, and so there is no pain that is too big right now. And um, so, yeah, wherever we are in this process of uh, disillusionment and, um, and separation, well, all of it, uh, that there, there is this infinite love there and that she is, she's holding us and she's, um, it goes beyond words. It really goes beyond words. She's not just like rooting for us, you know, because she is us and we are her and it, Mm. this is how it's done we just we just try our best and when we when we miss we shift back and we remember and when we forget we come back and we remember and mm. we're always held by the plants and we're held by the the spirits that are here and, and there's no way to to get it wrong thank you mm. thank you mm. Well, Aaron, um, we have covered a lot of ground today, and I think that you ended it so perfectly. Um, there's this, um, you kind of had me choking up there a little bit, so, <laughs> so I have to kind of collect my, my voice. Um, there is a, there's sort of this sense that nowadays everybody wants to know what they can do or whatever, and I think that really we just need a little bit more compassion for one another and for the planet and to just take our break, our foot off the gas pedal once in a while and stop and <laughs> smell yeah. the roses, so to speak. Um, I thank you so much for the work you're doing. And um, I thought we were going to leave off with like a really, really funny, happy chuckle. And um, <laughs> this makes me want to get to know you even better. And I am very, very grateful to have your support and your, um, guidance and wisdom um your big your book like i said is so marked up now with notes and highlighting that i probably um can't ever give this one away and um we're gonna try to get your book in the hands of as many people as possible because if we're gonna fix the planet we need to really focus on the little things that we do every single day which for me for you for for everybody is going to start really with just being kind and mm -hmm. and having a little bit of compassion and giving people a little bit of grace as they're going on this journey. So mm -hmm. um, if you've got a little baby at home, put them on your chest and just remember this little baby was born perfect. Mm -hmm. 
and we have the ability to really, really kind of sort things out if we can just honor the process. And um, so thank you, Aaron. I think your book is a big part of fixing things the way that we know them. Do you have any final thoughts or do you want to share anything with everybody so that they can find you? We'll put all the links in the show mm. notes. We've got tons of links and references from this episode. But mm-hmm. uh, Thank you so much. And uh, same, again, I feel like you, I couldn't say it any better. I'm just so grateful for your presence in my life and um, this incredible meeting and crossing and um dropping in around these subjects and so grateful for the work that you do in the world and that you're bringing and all this magic and, uh, and remembering and support for literal mothers and, mm. um, and great portals and the space that you're holding and, um, and with this, this podcast and getting this information out and being an example of um, a sacred masculine bodied human this kind of space is, is really spectacular to witness. I'm so grateful. Thank you. And um, I Very guess the, yeah, I'm so, it's, so, it's so great. Um, and I love you and I, and um, your honesty to your, your ability to share love and, and be open and be vulnerable is really inspiring. And I think really, really great for the audience. And um, I guess if you want to find me, it's really simple. My name just, I mean, you can Google my name. AaronMcMorrow.com and uh, mostly on Instagram. So it's Dr. Aaron McMorrow. And you can find um, book links and everything from there. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. But when this episode comes out, we'll be giving away some of your books and trying to yeah. spread the love even further. So thank you so much, Aaron, for sharing so much of your time today. And I will probably be texting you later today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Definitely. So much love to you. It's such, such an honor. Likewise. Well, Dr. Aaron Eudrin McMorrow, you did not disappoint. Thank you so, so much, my dear friend, for coming on the show. We're going to be doing a giveaway of her book um, on Instagram. So if you don't follow me on Instagram, Nathan Riley, OBGYN, is my handle. And um, I believe Aaron's is, let me get it for you here real quick. It is Aaron, Dr. Aaron McMorrow, M C M O R R O W. Um, is her Instagram handle. Please go follow her. Please go buy her book. And if you do have her book, or if you listen to it on Audible, which is read by, interesting, uh, interestingly, a woman who has a, a voice that's very similar to Aaron's, um, please leave a review on Amazon. It really, it's going to help people find this book. And like I said, this is going to become one of those books that I just start gifting to everybody. And I hope you guys will too. <laughs> um, let's, let's try to spread the word about her, about her incredible, uh, uh, it's a work of art, this book. It really is. Please help us spread the word um, by leaving a review on Amazon. It really, really helps to rise her book in the ranks. Um, if you haven't checked out our show notes, holisticobgynpod.com is where you'll find all the show notes. We'll have all the links to all the crazy stuff we talked about in this episode. Um, I've, I, <laughs> I'm so tickled. I was like so overheated during this conversation because it was just like, oh my God, like we could go this direction with this, this direction. Like it's just such a pleasure to have guests like that who are so thoughtful about what they put out into the world. And, and I, I think Aaron, from me to you, I, uh, I love you and I'm so grateful that we are connected and um, I hope that we can do some further collaboration in the future Um, another way to support the show guys apart from supporting waveblock.com again if you go to waveblock.com you can buy earbud stickers or stickers for your phones that blocks most of the MF performs better than any other product on the the market I can tell you that for sure Um, apart from 
sending you guys to waveblock.com. I also want to let you guys know if you want to support the show, we have a ton of giveaways, free gifts to any anybody who donates to the show. We are a 501c3, so all of your donations are tax deductible. We've got face serum from Be Here Farm in Nature. We've got uh, essential oil wizardry, um, Violet Chill. We've got Bioptimizers has given uh, is giving away Masszymes and um, P3OM. I'm sorry, Masszymes and uh, and uh, Magnesium Breakthrough. Magnesium Breakthrough is like a must-have product. The Birth Deck, Sarah Lyon over at the Birth Deck. She's also been on the show. She is giving away her book and of the Birth Deck. Charles Eisenstein chipped in a whole bunch of copies of The More Beautiful World, Our Hearts Know is Possible. Um, Serenity Kids gave us some puffs and some paleo-friendly kids food pouches for infants and toddlers. Oh, gosh, the list goes on and on. What am I forgetting? That might be it. And if I'm forgetting something, I'm very, very sorry. There's one more. Ah, Quicksilver. Quicksilver gave their their um, daily tonic, Thrivagen, which is an adaptogenic s- formula that every woman should be taking. It's freaking amazing. So um, if you make a donation, you'll be sent any of these gifts. Um, the more money you donate, the more tears that you accumulate. And um, for the, the top don- donors, the most generous donors, you'll get the whole spackling. I think it's like a thousand ninety bucks or something like that. It's it's tiered out. So so go there and check that out. Um, if you want to work with me, my name is Nathan Riley. I am the host of the OBGYN pod, the Holistic OBGYN podcast. Um, you can find my practice at belovedholistics.com. And oh, what else was I going to say? Um, we've got so many great episodes in store for you in 2022. So thank you so much for supporting the show. One last thing that I ask is that if you do love what we're putting out here. If you do love the podcast, if you do love conversations like this one with uh, Dr. McMorrow, please go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. And if you have any compliments or thumbs up, thumbs down, anything you want to share, please do that through the website. Again, the show notes uh, website is holisticobjuanpod.com. would love to hear from you. We've got a newsletter. We're going to be rolling out all kinds of new stuff in the new year, including rebranding, um, some new gifts for newsletter subscribers, etc. So keep an eye out for that stuff. And um, I will see you next time on the Holistic Abajuan podcast. Take care.